All right, welcome back for Gnosis. This is episode seven. Our special guest today is Alexander Rivera. He is the author of several books, including The Sun Lady Unveiled and co-author of Baphomet, The Temple Mystery Unveiled with the late, great Tracy Twyman. You can check out his website, theaoni.com, which spans different topics regarding comparative mythology, the Holy Grail, esoterica, the Apocrypha, and the Bible. He is a self-trained scholar gathering primary sources and piecing them all together on his own or with the help of friends. He currently resides in Orlando, Florida, and works in the insurance industry. So, Alex Rivera, welcome to Gnosis. I'm so glad to have you on the show. I've been a fan of your work for some time. Uh, I've been a fan of you and Tracy's uh, book, Baphomet, which I just finished, although I've been reading it in snippets online through your website, both of your blogs, and a lot of controversy related to that book and and to Tracy and, and her uh, sudden passing. May she rest in peace. Uh, I think Tracy's a real hero. I think she, uh, if, if there is a great God, and I think there is, she deserves to be in heaven because she died fighting the good fight. She died protecting children from absolute monsters. And I respect you both very much for the work you did unveiling and revealing really the cult behind this madness we see with things like Epstein Island and Pizza Gate and Pedo Gate and, you know, the, the, the royal, the quote unquote royal family, you know, those blood sucking swine. So, uh, I just want to say thank you so much for being on the show. And, uh, I'm, I'm blessed to know that you and others like you exist. I think shows like the X-Files, you know, to me, Tracy was like a real life Scully. She was really digging in deep and exposing this stuff. And uh, I hope the people, those, those people in Hollywood who still have a heart and a soul and those independent creators will tune into your guys' work and, and see uh, what it looks like to be an occult crime investigator. And I'm really looking forward. You've got a presentation you put together for us. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, turn it over to you. Uh, is there anything you'd like to say before we get started? Sure. Yeah. So first of all, yeah, thank you for so much for uh, having me on your show. Um, so, so this presentation is is a is a mixture of a, a lot of different uh, topics um, that uh, I've researched in the past, and also what I'm looking into now. Uh, so, you know, with Tracy, that was very tragic. Um, so, hopefully, this will you know maybe like pro provide sort of like a foundation to you know to honor her, you know, so a lot of her work, and also to mix in a lot of what I've been researching lately and. Uh, what I'm planning to uh, put out there in the future. So, uh, so thank you for having me, having me on. My pleasure. Yeah. And oh, dude, my pleasure. And, uh, you know, I'm an independent artist, you're an independent artist. And um, one of the goals I have with Gnosis is to just put, shine a light on the people out there who deserve people's support more than say the, the Illuminati shills that were continuously being like, uh, having projected our way through their controlled oppositional networks, you know, uh, those people don't interest me anymore. And, and I think they, they're, they're, they're gatekeepers, you know, they're only going to let you in on so much information. Uh, but if you want to get like to the heart of the matter, you got to find the underground and you guys were doing this work, uh, for decades now. And I think it's, it's totally profound. So I'm going to go ahead and let you take it away with this presentation. Uh, for those at home, you know, buy Alex's books. Uh, you can go to his website, theaoni.com, and pick up a copy of The Sun Lady Unveiled. Uh, the Baphomet book, there's some controversy that we'll get into uh, maybe in a later date because it's there's legal issues regarding the copyright 
of the book because it, it was a book co-offered by Alex, of course, and Tracy. And uh, apparently someone in Tracy's family has taken to uh, issuing slap lawsuits and trying to intimidate people into not talking about her or her legacy. But uh, you can still find her work out there. And I, I, I've heard that Tracy wanted her work to be shared. And uh, I'm a great admirer of real whistleblowers and real activists who put their lives on the line. And I think the best thing you guys can do out there, uh, the same way we got to support Julian Assange and the same way we got to support uh, those those people out there like uh, Richard Gage of Architects and Engineer for 9-11 Truth is, you know, let them know they're not alone and they have our support and speak up on their behalf and take it, check out his work. He's got tons of articles on his website that are mind blowing. He's one of the best comparative uh occult researchers I've, I've found and and i i look as often as i can so uh, for what that's worth you you're not going to be disappointed with the the voluminous amount of information that he and tracy and others have put together so anyway i'm going to get off my soapbox unlike <laughs> this guy pictured here with the towel cross in his forehead and all types of symbolism take it away alex let us know what enter the mysterium is all about please sir Sure. So, yeah, this fellow over here, uh, he's a, a part of this uh, Templar relics that uh, Tracy uh, was trying to decode before she passed away. And we'll get into that with the, with the Templar stuff uh, more in depth, of course. But uh, this guy, he has like a bunch of eyes, of course, and he has like a sun and the moon. So in the top, you know, cross and he's very looks very chimeric in nature. And we definitely talk about uh, chimeras in the book, the Baphomet book. And I think he's wearing like a, a, a I don't know, it looks like a, it reminds me of like a green man. Mm. Um, if He's like a Celtic uh, elemental spirit or a, he's like a trickster spirit basically. But we look kind of reminds me of that. So, but he's, but the rest of it's fur. So I don't, who knows, maybe it's like a, a line or something, but um so yeah, so I just thought he <laughs> he looked pretty cool. So he's probably my favorite character out of the uh, the uh, all these Templar relics or figures in these Templar relics. So yeah, uh, so I'm gonna go ahead and uh, go to the next slide here. Uh, let's see, pull it up here. So this is a trailer. So for the Baphomet book. So I mean, if you want, you can go ahead and play it on your end, Cameron. Okay, give me one moment. For sure, and we're gonna we're gonna listen to this. Let me find uh, this. Is my uh, be patient with us, guys. This is my first time using this new platform. A lot of bells and whistles. So, one moment. Let me find out. Okay, share screen. Okay, here we go. He called her meat. He says, this is what Baphomet is based on. And meat comes from metis, which is wisdom. And his interpretation of the word Baphomet was baptism of wisdom. He thought that was kind of a, a ritual that they were probably doing. We piece this together from witchcraft traditions, uh, certain Gnostic sects and their traditions. The idea is that the God of the Bible is an evil God. There's an inscription around this particular casket the distinguished charity of meat uproots the enemy. He said that that represents pederasty. 
So in other words, having sex with children. All right, and uproots the enemy. Who's the enemy? That's the God of the Bible. What I think this image is depicting is meat pulling the sun and the moon down from the sky. You know, the heavens falling, basically destroying God's creation. The baptism of wisdom, which is a blasphemous ritual involving sex with children in this context, is what they thought would make that happen. What I think is that when the Templars were actually doing their rituals, they were using these heads. In every Templar preceptory, they had a head of some sort that they would use as their baphomet. This is like what you would get if you put male and female, good and evil, together in the same entity. They say he's the sun of suns and the moon of moons and the secret of all secrets. one moment here the screen's kind of frozen up on me so uh wow what a trailer tell yeah. us some more so these 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 elite they're obsessed with uh transgressive crimes against humanity and and the rape and abuse and slaughter of children personified by here saturn i imagine that is or chronos devouring yet another child of his and who would the woman be in this image Ooh, good question. I'm not sure. <laughs> but uh, I, I think you know, Kronos had a wife. Well, I know Kronos had a wife called Array, so Araya, uh, so it might be her. But um, but yeah, I mean, you, you see different Elias, you know, definitely personify the, the all the uh, attributes of Saturn. I mean, he's, I mean, Kronos of Saturn himself is not really like a an evil entity, but you know, he definitely has a, a malefic side for sure. Um, but you know, Saturn is uh, typically associated with like, you know, wealth and agriculture and uh, good fortune and the golden age and all these good things, right? Uh, but but you know, Tracy uh, uh, talked about that quite a bit. I know she wrote Money Grows in the Tree of Knowledge and she gets into chemical origins of money and what it all means and it kind of connects to the, the sacrifice of future ger generations right for children so yeah. um and then of course you see it's that great. happening you know with epstein you know, stuff that's come out or you know as of date you know uh with the q and all that stuff but um but um yeah let's go to the next slide here uh let's move here So uh, that you see before you, uh, his name is uh, Joseph von Hammerstahl, and he is the author of an essay, really long essay, Syrian Baphometus Revelatum, okay? And uh, he was a very prolific uh, writer, and uh, he was an Orientalist, so he studied uh, different uh, subjects uh, connected to the Orient. And uh, not like what I what I mean by Orient. I mean, I'm talking about like 
So like in the Middle Eastern areas and even like towards the East, yeah, for sure. But he also studied like a lot of different languages as well, Oriental languages. So he was a bit of a Renaissance kind of guy. Uh, but he, um, but yeah, but he authored all kinds of stuff. So he also wrote a, a whole history uh, or series of uh, works also on the assassins, which are, or the order of the assassins, rather, which are associated with the Knights Templar. Um, and he published that work back in uh, 1818. Uh, and um, yeah, so, you know, up until Tracy's uh, untimely death, so, like she was, uh, uh, she was actually trying to publish uh, like her own translation of this book. But, um, but, you know, it just took a while and just didn't really, she didn't really get around to doing it, unfortunately. But, um, uh, now, as far as like a lot of conclusions about, you know, like um, Gnosticism, the Knights Templar, I mean, I have, I have like different ideas though. I have a different uh, views on these subjects and she did a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. Although uh, I do think she was definitely on, uh, she did detect a lot of, you know, a lot of sorted details that happened with these cults, you know. Um, Especially, of course, you know, it, 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 with the Knights Templar and, of course, the Ori Assassins. But um, now, as far as like, you know, were the Templars really doing um, pederasty and sacrifices of children and all these hor horrific things or, you know, having sex with each other or animals or whatever? Mm. I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe. <laughs> I mean, you never know. But, um, but you know, nowadays, you know, the, if you know, if you ask a nice Templar, you know, do do, do these things? I mean, they're going to say no, you know. <laughs> but um, but you know, with uh, with Perkstall, he uh, he and he published this book in Latin, and uh, and I think and I've read her translation, Tracy's translation. She actually got another guy to do a translation for her, but um, but uh, it's definitely fair for sure uh translation now there's a full title to that this big essay that perks all wrote it's actually called the mystery of baphomet revealed or the brothers of the temple militia by which the gnostics and indeed the ophians were convicted of apostasy idolatry and purity by their monuments so that's the whole that's a real title uh so yeah, so I mean, Perkstall. I mean, yeah, he was definitely well respected in his time frame, but he was a little controversial, I would say, or, or I mean, really highly controversial. Uh, so and a lot of his work, I mean, well, especially with the, when it comes to the Templars, it hasn't. I mean, it's far from being accepted as historical fact, you know. Right. Although uh, I would say his work is deeply influential later on secret societies, you know, and also later conceptions of. Baphomet, you know, with uh, Elephus Levi, uh, with that black magician, you know, and later on in the left-hand path tradition, you know, but, um, yes. yeah, but, um, well, it is interesting that in this age of Epstein Island being disclosed, and I, I'm not sure if you're aware of uh, Rachel Chandler, who Q has brought attention to as a child handler responsible for trafficking uh, all types of, of innocent people, to the island, uh, it's interesting that now th this work was written in the eighteen late eighteen hundreds. I imagine with uh, Mr. Uh, von Hammer Perkstall. 
Yeah. So, well, I mean, the reason why he got those ideas from is because uh, he actually found these Templar artifacts. A lot of people claim that he just made it all up, you know, that he's a quack or something. But right. but he, he didn't make it up, actually, come to find. And in fact, these uh, these drawings that uh, these really strange drawings that he produced were or sketches were uh, based on these actual Templar relics. So that's where he gets gets, you know, gets all these ideas from. He's trying to decode the whole thing, you know. Can so, we see some? Of, can we see some of those artifacts? Yeah, yeah. So let's pull it up here. Uh, and so these were discovered by him on the grounds of uh, like a Templar stronghold, a former Templar area. Is that correct? Somewhere in France, or where exactly? Yeah. It, okay. So it's like a, it's a number of different areas. So it was definitely in France for sure. But I mean, it's a, the Templars had they had so many different churches. So it's like a collection. Right. Uh, now, where he found it exactly, don't I don't remember. But I'll have to bring it up here. But sure. <laughs> let's bring it up. Uh, so this first person uh, or entity is Neat. That's uh, she, and she's definitely. Connected to Metis, it's a Greek prison, right? Mm -hmm. So Met, Samit uh, here is like a it's like compound of goddess of different goddesses, actually. So uh, like Cybele, Ray, Metis. Um, I think I'm missing. Uh, Addis, but or no, Addis Ad would be the son, right? Addis is like the son of Cybele, yeah. But um, but she, I mean, here she is. She's pulling down the sun and the moon, right? And there's like the, these uh diana perhaps ishtar yeah yes something along those lines all these different warrior goddesses right so mm -hmm. she so they mix all into one figure of meat right so that to Perksol, uh was one form of baphomet or the original form of baphomet but of course you know there's other forms of it as well but no the, that's on the left right now the figure on the right is uh isis and she's from a, uh, there's an image uh, that uh, was taken from a book called uh, The Version of the World or Core Cosmo, which is very hermetic. But I, the, really, the only reason why I put her in there is because she reminds me a lot of meat. So, uh, and I think meat also has some elements of ISIS as well. So, yeah, so meat is, uh, she's holding these chains, right? Mm. That connect to the sun and the moon. So, uh, I think it was Tracy that was the one that said that the chains are represent the archons that control the world for the cosmos or fate and uh, she's uprooting the enemy so the, uh, the enemy the enemy if you ask any gnostic uh, is going to be the demiurge <laughs> and the archons so she's sort of like kind of getting revenge so i mean like they're definitely connected to sophia so like in gnostic mythology they talk about uh, uh there's just two figures of you know sophia and demiurge and uh, the demiurge was the one that uh, created the world and the universe out of, but but she, but the demiurge himself has you know a progenitor, which is in Sophia, uh, and Sophia Akamos, she, she, she fell from the uh, Pleroma in Gnostic mythology. Um, but anyway, but you know those subjects of Gnosticism definitely influenced um, the Knights Templar for sure, and all the, a lot of these other. Uh, occult groups as well that came after the nice templar uh, so now now the core cosmic figure this isis figure 
uh, I, talk, I talk about her in my book, The Sun Lady Unveiled, quite a bit. So yeah, definitely check that out. I'd also talk about the meat figure in my own way. So yeah, that Sun Lady Unveiled book, that's, it took me like maybe like a, a year to kind of complete it just to put everything together. Uh, so yeah, definitely highly recommend everyone to check that book out, even though it's not as uh, controversial or dark as the, the Baphomet book, but it's definitely pretty crazy though. <laughs> what well, has a lot to do with the, the book of Revelation, yes, and, and some of the symbolism yeah. associated and... Uh, so from what I'm seeing, you know, in the image on the right, it looks like she's standing within the cosmic yoni also, that she's stretching the lips of a vagina and the moon would be centered about where the clitoris would be, which could be also in the tree of life, something like Pluto yeah. or Hades. And then she's riding on this, this celestial arc or bark or boat, uh, which brings to mind so much symbolism regarding going to different worlds and portals. And so the sexual act, you know, literally we, we, can pull in souls from the the chaos dimension or the the uh, unsorted or yet ordered dimension outside of time, and those souls can incarnate through this action. And it, it appears to me that they're they're using sex magic as a way to channel entities, uh, good and bad, perhaps, and in their case, probably mostly evil, because it seems like they wanted to sabotage God's kingdom. Yeah, so, well, I mean, it's funny you bring all that up because uh, we're definitely going to see those uh, visual re representations of what you just described. <laughs> so let's see here. So uh, now this is the actual uh, act of meat, right? Wow. That, uh, and is this a coffin all. lid? Yeah, type it's, of a part of, it's part of a coffin, yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, so... This is actually held in the British Museum, uh, and Tracy found it actually, and she was pretty excited when when she uh, when she found it uh, to me. So, but yeah, this is uh, Cybele, but Cybele is meat. So I mean, yeah, they're all like compound deities, all kind of interconnect somehow. Some and Alex, way, but... you, you know, today is the twenty-first anniversary of nine eleven. Three sevens, kabbalistically. Uh synonymous with the cross and then Cybele she features three towers on her head so the ritual of 9-11 that dark occult ritual they destroyed three towers uh like magic in front of everyone and they use it as a means to to uh, destroy so many lives in the Middle East and and really invoke a new world and the Solomon Temple uh well we have the the two towers which would be the pillars of Yaquin and Boaz of King Solomon's temple. And then we have building seven who was probably seven, of course, is devoted to ISIS. So the whole thing is this, this intense, insane ritual to these beliefs. And here we are on this day. Uh, that's the point I was trying to make earlier is that, you know, we're, we're highlighting your and Mr. Perkstall's work unveiling these monsters on a, on a just so happens to be on the 21st anniversary of nine 11. So I think revelation and disclosure does have a weird, uh, um, I don't know, timing aspect to it. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't know how much I want to say about 9-11, but I mean, that's definitely just a lot of occult, you know, uh, symbolism and ritual going on there for sure. And uh, a lot of it does connect to the Kabbalah as well. Uh, you know, it's like, you know, nine is uh connects to Yasod. 
mm. which is mean, which is a foundation, and then there's eleven, which connects to Doth, uh, which is like a portal uh, to the abyss, no, right. To this, right? Right. And then there's also eleven is also uh, a degree associated with the uh, with other occult groups like you know the OTO, and you know, and then and then you get to like really weird uh, sadistic. <laughs> magic there over there sex magic so yes. um so i mean were the templars in, involved in all this i mean i don't know i mean i really don't know but i mean but what if you look at these figures i mean it just sort of hints that you know kind of um but let's see here then you have like those then you have that golgotha uh skull in beneath right. her um Cybele as well but, uh, but I mean, like these relics, I mean, they were found in a lot of different European church locations. I mean, not just in France. I mean, I think they're found all over. Uh, I mean, every, let's see, see the Templars, they built a lot of different churches. So, so it's kind of like a variety of different places that Perks all found. So, but, you know, a lot of um, scholars are very quick to conclude that, you know, these are all forgeries, you know. Uh, I think uh, another guy, uh, he wrote a book called uh, on Gnosticism back in the 1800s. I just I forget his name, but um, but he said that they were created by Rosicrucian or alchemical quacks or something along those lines. <laughs> uh, I think yeah, I think his name is Charles King or something like that. Yeah, but um, and then I think uh, later on, but they were also uh, owned by other uh, kings, if I remember correctly. Uh, and then, uh, so, I mean, really like the, this, all the stuff that Perks all put out, I mean, it was sort of like the beginning of, uh, of like presenting like the, this, like there's sort of, sort of this vast Masonic conspiracy, you know, mm -hmm. um, so that's sort of all come from, you know, for with, from, from him, or he was like one of the beginnings of, him, of this, this whole idea, you know with the illuminati and all that stuff but i mean these figures are uh according to uh perkstall they're not just associated with templars they're also associated with um with these uh with a specific gnostic school of thought which are the ophites uh and the ophites were the ones that worshipped uh the serpent from Genesis, because I thought mm. it was a you know, symbol of enlightenment or wisdom, right? So, I mean, you can say like you know they they a lot of these Gnostic groups tend to like invert um, the Genesis tale, or a lot of well, not just Genesis, but a lot of other uh, stories from the Bible uh, in a way for sure. Um, but I mean, if you talk to a Gnostic, they'll probably say, "Well, we're not really inverting; we're just you know we're just bringing out the the." The, the true meaning <laughs> of Genesis, you know, you know, because like the idea that you know Yahweh or uh, in that story was like a, a vengeful uh, fake god or a demiurge, he's trying to uh, withhold all this knowledge from Adam and Eve from you know con from consuming the fruit of a tree of life, right? And he, he sends like a cherubim to block Adam and Eve from eating that. So, and of course he he warned Adam and Eve not to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So, I mean, it's very complicated uh, if you look into all this kind of stuff. But, um, but I mean, but meat, I mean, really, just it just just means, of course, sort of this Gnostic knowledge, and that's what uh, 
baffle metis you know baffle just means um the, the baptized be to be immersed in this uh kind of knowledge you know this gnostic knowledge this divine knowledge but uh this baptism is not just into like you know just airy fairy kind of stuff is also into more darker realms you know of the unconscious really yes uh, as we'll see <laughs> all right so let's pull up the next slide right here um, so there's a it's sort of like a group activity <laughs> <laughs> of uh of these uh i don't know templars or ophites i mean they're doing very strange things i mean if you look on on the on the left there's a guy um uh holding the genitals of uh baphomet so it's like is that baphomet as is that Baphomet as a herm, which is like a pedestal uh, statue that would feature Pan with an erection and, and witches and others would, would pleasure the statue and, and propitiate for offerings from it by committing sexual acts and, and putting their sexual fluids on it and so forth? Is that is right? That right. Yeah, that's exactly what's going on. So it's sort of like a... Baphomet is getting a hand job from one of these uh, templars. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, 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 or I mean, it could be Priapus, but yeah, I mean, that's mm -hmm. like what a lot of, so, well, at least what Tracy, she thought that that figure on the left uh, was the one that influenced the images that, that we see of uh, Baphomet now, right? Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, this is this whole big, weird kind of orgy going on here. So, I don't know. Very strange stuff, but nonetheless, it is real. So, as you can see, it's not and this is in the uh, British Museum. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, I think Tracy actually had to. You guys paid to have these photos taken because this was kind of like uh, off in the back of the museum, right? It wasn't necessarily on display. Yeah, it was right. I think it was Tracy who paid for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so without uh, her, I mean, we wouldn't have this image. No, no, definitely not. It would just be locked away, you know, the archives. So wow. that's a lot of the stuff is, you know, so. Uh, but I think there's like some animals in there somewhere. In yeah. the back. I think there's like one guy riding like a, like a, I don't know, a goat or something or an animal. I don't know. Mm. And then, so, yeah. Bestiality pretty, pretty is certainly implied. For sure. And then I think there's a child in here somewhere. Um uh, let me see. Yeah, there's like the I mean, there were, maybe not child, but someone like holding uh, the table. Mm. So next to the uh, to whatever animal that is. Uh, so yeah, let's go to the next right here. Uh, it's another casket. No. So uh, there's this guy. He's I think he's wielding uh, an axe or or a shovel over like a small child who's riding a crocodile. <laughs> Uh, or some sort of, uh, not really the crocodile, well, not a crocodile, I'm sorry. Looking at the wrong one. Uh, it looks, like, like, a, it looks a, like an ox. Right. Which is associated uh, with Mithraism, also the cosmic slain of the bull or the taroctony. Right, right, right. So um, then then there's also, uh, yeah, this is bowl full of uh, fire, you know. And then So it looks like Mithras, kind of, a little bit. Uh, slain the bull here. Oh yeah, um, yeah, very, very similar to uh, other images of that I've seen in Tarakteni 
various Tarakthani scenes, which are, you know, present in pretty much every Mithraic temple. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the bull, I think, uh, also represents Behemoth. And we'll get to that in a moment here. But uh, he's definitely connected to Behemoth. The, uh, the other god. And there's, uh, what's about the cat? It's called the other god. So there's Behemoth and Leviathan, which is also uh the same as uh this compound deity called you know with Samuel and Lilith, you know, the adversary. Uh, but anyway, let's go to the next slide here. So yeah, so no okay, I'm sorry, this, this is the one that uh that the uh there's a child's uh riding a crocodile. <laughs> mm. Uh very strange <laughs> what's going on here. So I mean, I'm trying to think. Why, why would a child uh, ride a crocodile? Well, I mean, it's this idea, this capitalistic idea, or at least a like idea of uh, of riding uh, using demonic powers to do your bidding, it comes from you know Solomon, right? The legend of Solomon, you know, um, where he had this ring to control these different jinn. To, do, to build the Solomon's temple. And then, of course, Solomon was absurdly rich and had all these women. Uh, but he's definitely like a figure that's uh, revered by different occult groups, especially the Freemasons. Um, but, you know, as you can see, they're, they're doing all kinds of weird shenanigans. <laughs> uh, it looks like he's kissing uh, the ring of the figure in the center. Yeah, it kind of looks like that. It, it kind of reminds me of that. Yeah, thank, thank you for pointing that out. And then this guy, yeah, he, he, I think he has an axe. He's holding an axe against that guy, too. Yeah. So uh, then I think there's a bird somewhere here in the back. It, might, it looks like a wing coming out of some one guy. I don't know. It might be an angel. It looks like a bird. I don't know. But I think what you know, all these things are representing just um yeah their their initiation sire or what the cow was all the citra ara really um and that's a whole other <laughs> uh, what's that term again up there what is the term citra ara how do you citra spell ara which is uh s-i-t-r-a uh a which is like uh, the uh it's like a jewish term for hell basically huh um you know so then there's another one looks like they're doing another little orgy here uh, and uh i think there's a there's some butt kissing going on here i think there's a, what is the term for that over trying to kiss on other guys uh, what's the infernal the, kiss a skull in flame or the obscene kiss yes. yeah and, and you saw that earlier with that guy holding or person whoever it is man or woman but holding the genitals of document yeah so it's like a like this you know you're prostrating to uh a dark god basically you know to there's some double entendre the there for sure yeah yeah Sure. So the the Yasad, um, the foundation, the uh, the sacral chakra, being open to demonic possession through sodomy. 
seems to be part yeah, and parcel so, there. Yeah, it's definitely part of the uh, this dark tradition of magic, you know, the sure that you see in all this Templar stuff. I mean, really, I mean, what we're really seeing is just magical rituals, you know. Mm. Um, uh, let me see here. So there's another one. Looks like another orgy happening. <laughs> uh, now there's a guy holding something over uh, uh, a flaming bowl uh, or cauldron, you know. So, mm -hmm. and then uh, let's see. Yeah, then they're doing all kinds of weird stuff over here. Uh, yeah, and there was one guy bowing down to this other guy. Um, oh yeah, kind of. It looks so. like he has an axe as well. He's wielding some type of weapon or maybe a skewer. With yeah. Almost like, um, yeah, it looks like some, some sort of initiation ritual for sure. Yeah, like a secret ceremony. That well, we're, and those, we're kind of like and, doing that. Mm -hmm. And in those times, yep. if you were homosexual, you were seen as basically a witch automatically. I mean, you would be yeah. stoned. Oh, yeah. So to participate in those rituals, you knew very well that if it, you were ever found out, that you could be killed and burnt at the stake. And so, so for them to do this, this would be heretical. And also it would give blackmail, just like we see with Epstein Island, that could be used to control you for the rest of your life. Right, so this is right. so this is an initiation into a uh, perverse cult that wants to totally dominate people through secrecy, like we see with all these secret societies. It seems like there's always a debased sexual ritual that's part of uh, the initiatory process. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, again, just connect to... But, I mean, it's very... Uh, on intentional though you know it's not accidental I mean, the reason why they do that is because they're trying to key in to uh the other side yes uh, for uh darker forms of power basically um let me see. or at least become like some sort of initiate on that uh journey of initiation but now then there's this is this uh so one these this one guy is being uh, baptized uh, in this bowl, right? And mm -hmm. then there's like a there's like a an owl kind of reminds me of uh, Bohemian Grove. Oh yeah. Uh, and Moloch. so yeah, he's being Moloch, right? Um, so yeah, so then he's so, so he's being mm -hmm. baptized into the mysteries of the cult, of the order, basically. So that's what mm -hmm. kind of symbolizes to me. Um. Then let's go to the next one here. And then, yeah, and then here's a bull. Yeah, here's another bull image. So everyone's sort of like, look at this kind of like worshiping this bull, you know? Oh, yeah. Kind of like from the uh, from Exodus, you know? When Moses casted down the law, uh, the tablets that Yahweh gave him, because you saw everybody was worshiping, worshiping this calf. Right. Um, so it's definitely connected to that, um, for sure. So I think, um, yeah, this is like this is a basically an Ophite Gnostic ceremony that we're seeing. Uh, I think a lot of different other groups also worship uh, bulls. I mean, that's a fairly common practice back in ancient Rome, you know. So whenever uh, it's not just worshiping a bull, like you actually have to like you know be baptized in its blood to receive like the proper. Mithraic initiation, you know? Yeah. 
So yeah, that's so. that's something that they would perform. Uh, it was pretty common in the, in in the uh, biblical times, right? Like they would slot, cut a bull's neck, and and somebody would be underneath yeah. it, and they would baptize you and cover you. So imagine that scene. You know, you cut a bull's jugular, and someone is is being completely covered and baptized in the blood of the slain animal while they're doing a ritual, prostrating themselves, looking for you know you know some type of uh, remuneration. Yeah, yeah, like you know, if you, you I mean, if you see the movie um, uh, Alexander the Great, you know, the uh, from what's his face, uh, Oliver Stone. Uh, yeah, with uh, I forget his, <laughs> I'm so bad with names here, but oh, Colin Farrell, he played Alexander the Great, but he, uh, but yeah, there's a scene where right before the, this big war that they sacrifice a bull, uh, or or multiple bulls really to gain you know favor of the gods. Oh, um, no. And there's another show called the Rome that came out on HBO a, uh, a while back, and it's all about that too, Mithra or Mithras. Um, so yeah, Mithras is very much interconnected with this whole story as well, which was as, as we will see. Uh, and then there's another cast, uh, this last one, of a of a dude. Uh, and roasted alive <laughs> in in so, his body uh, position you know the way he's bent backwards reminds me of uh kind of the art you see at tony podesta and jeffrey art quote unquote with jeffrey Dahmer's right. corpses yeah so it's like the arc the arc of hysteria yeah huh. that's what i called it yeah uh, so i know tracy talked about it quite a bit I think this is a, at a Clinton fundraiser. Uh, so let's see. Just yeah, kidding. I think it was Podesta's uh, uh, brother, I think, <laughs> John Podesta, who owned it. But, you know. Um, but yeah, you see these two guys, they're, they're lifting their hands, you know, worshiping a sort of unseen God, whoever that God is. Uh, now, here, uh, from the Revelatum document, so these are different figures related to uh, meat, right? So on the first one, you see all these different uh, Ophite worshippers. So they're having a party with all these snakes, right? <laughs> and then uh, you see uh, this other figure next to them, uh, whatever, it looks like a chimeric kind of androgynous sort of uh, demon, I guess, you know? And then right next to his son with some looks like a homunculus coming out of the jar. So and then he's also riding some sort of eagle. Oh yeah. So I mean these are all like symbolic representations of of, of initiation, really. I mean that's what all it really means. Um in the in the yeah. homunculus, that's kind of like the uh, the magical child or the the moon child where you know perhaps through torture children are made disassociative and then a demon is said to kind of take over where there's reside where their soul would have been displaced. Something, Something like, like this. that. Yeah. I mean, like this, I mean, there's other ways you can, I mean, that's like maybe the, like the more hardcore version of that. <laughs> but I mean, I seen other, uh, YouTube YouTubers explain how to create like a servitor or a homunculus where they, they put a bunch of, you know, uh, ingredients together and i know they they mix milk into a jar and just you know just let it sit and then you're supposed to like talk to it like Whoa. expecting like to get a to get a like a response you know but um 
but I mean, that's, I mean, there's multiple, multiple ways you can get, you can create like the homunculus. Mm. But um, now uh, at the end, or sorry, at the bottom here, we have um, meat, uh, different forms of meat. So you have, uh, I think it says in Arabic, this I, I, I got from the Templar document, or this documents document says, um, in the Arabic it says, exalted or omnipotent meat you are denying. You were even seven, our race. Then it says, um, uh, so you, it says, then it talks about how uh, return to the rectum is a, uh, is useful or something like that. It's like, I'm like, uh, who knows what that means, but it has something to do with anal sex, I'm sure. <laughs> but, right. uh, but yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mean, the whole document's so insane. I mean, like, I, I couldn't even come up with any of this stuff, you know? <laughs> it's like, you know, I'm just a messenger. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm just I'm just repeating what what's in this uh, Templar document. That, uh, certainly that's certainly that, a lot. That Perksel wrote. I Definitely. There's certainly a lot going on here. Uh, so you've got the figure on the left who appears uh, meat-like, but maybe is a more is a different incarnation. He has horns on his head, whereas on the right we have Cybele, uh with the three towers again. And it looks like uh, they both appear they could be androgynous. And then there's yeah. a woman between them pouring water out on a candelabra. Uh, I forget the what's the term for the, the, the Jewish... Uh, uh, candles that they use ceremonially. I forget the uh, the seven candles representing yeah, the archons. Yeah, it's the I forget the name of it, but yeah, I know. But it's a Jewish candle, you know. Yeah, like pouring and, out the water over the, these candles, you know. And yeah, so, it's candelabra. And the, candelabra. So those would be that would be representative of the seven planets. And so during this period, you know, people were known to uh, see astrology as, as a means to connect with these archons and, and invoke them. And again, yeah. you've got the chains linking heaven and earth on the right side. And this is, uh, and then of course, above, like you said, all the, the various serpents, the serpents, they could be representative of spirits, perhaps the, uh, the jinn or, you know, kind the, of, yeah, yeah. Like you can think the, of that way. Like I know in, um, in darker forms of the Kabbalah talk about the serpents in the abyss, no. Yes. Um, I mean, there's a guy named uh, Nathan of Gaza who wrote a book called The Treaties of the Dragons, and he talks about that quite a bit in his book. But um, I think you can find uh, some translation of it online, but very expensive price on Amazon if you decide to look at that up. Um, and actually, I think the term actually is uh, uh, return to the rectum is made easy. That's what it says in the... Uh, document that works all right yeah so pretty weird <laughs> to say at least uh let's see so you have uh menorah that's the word i was struggling for the, Jew, the menorah. right menorah right menorah yeah, yeah so that's what that lady's doing so now this is a uh, jesus and john the baptist and they're doing the uh the baphomet pose that you usually see you know and, the, and you also see other figures like uh, George Washington do that, other Masons, you know? Yes. And, uh, and then you have um, 
you know, John the Baptist. Like, look, it kind of looked like he's doing a disco dance, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> he's staying alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So he's doing like the uh, the manopantia with a hand of blessing. So they're all doing it. Um, and that actually connects with uh, a deity called Sabazeus, actually. And he's also said to uh, do a sort of this uh, hand of blessing figure. So that co- comes from a Greek god, or Thracian god, actually, uh, called Sabazeus. He's like a compound of uh, Zeus and Dionysus. Yeah. Hmm. But we'll get to that. Uh, one. It's a bunch of images I found of, uh, of, of Baphomet. And um, so you see on the right here, Mickey Mouse and uh, Bugs Bunny. <laughs> uh, then uh, on the left, you have uh, you know, the Masonic Baphomet, you know, riding the goat ritual. Uh, and of course, the usual uh, satanic version of Baphomet. You know, of course, I don't think there's... I think it's only one really version of Baphomet, really. Mm-hmm. But um, but you know, if you if you talk to like you know a Luciferian, they'll just say you know, Baphomet is really more like a, a symbol or a glyph of initiation of uh, of infernal power or balance of uh, duality. So there's a lot of you know Luciferians and Satanists will say that you know. So now. Uh, Eliphas Levi, in his, uh, he wrote a book called Transcendental Magic. So here's what he says about Baphomet. Uh, so he's the one that actually made that drawing on, on the far left there, by the way. But uh, he, so he says, uh, there exists in nature a force which is immeasurably more powerful than steam. And a single man who is able to adapt and direct it might change thereby the face of the whole world. This force was known to the ancients. It consists in a universal agent having equilibrium for its supreme law, while its direction is concerned immediately with the great arcanum of transcendental magic. Uh, so this agent is precisely that which the adepts of the Middle Ages dominated the first matter of the great work. Uh, the Gnostics represented it as the fiery body of the Holy Spirit, it was this object of adoration in the secret rites of the Sabbath and the temple under the hieroglyphic figure of Baphomet or the antigen of Mendes. So, in other words, what you know, Levi is getting at is that uh, Baphomet also represents like this uh, magical force called the astral light. And he equates it with the universal agent. So it's like a I think you can think of it as sort of like like a, a vril, you know. So I think um, there's one guy, I forget his name, but he wrote a book called The Coming Race. Then he talks about these this uh, race of angelic entities called the Vrilia. Uh, and then they're underneath our, our planet, like they're in the inner earth, but uh, they have this power to like uh, reshape reality. They're, they're this power called the Vril. So like, you can use it for to heal, but you can also use it to destroy. You know, so it's like a sort of sort of like this double-edged sword in a way. You know, so so that's like the form of magic that they're practicing. Sorry, Dad. 
Well, it, so from what I gather, they um, they're talking about worshiping the substrate of existence, which is this inherently balanced between the dualistic framework of good and evil, light and dark. Uh, they're they're worshiping and applying that force through magical rituals. And uh, I remember reading uh, some of Tracy's breakdown on the Baphomet, which I thought were fascinating. So you see that his uh, he's sitting on top of a cubic altar, which is you know sitting on top of it looks like half of a, of an earth or some type of sphere. Then you've got the Caduceus with the two serpents representing that polarity, like Joachim and Boaz. And then they are uh, superimposed on top of an arch, which is, seems similar to the, the royal arch of Freemasonry. So the keystone would be linked the, from above to below. And if you use the human body, you could say from the crown chakra to the root chakra or the tree of life from Pluto to Yasa or Malkuth, actually. So this idea of uniting hermetically heaven and earth above and below, inside and outside, through these rituals and summoning this force, Baphomet. Uh, and I, I like that she pointed out that it looks like Baphomet is, in fact, you know, transgender, where the yeah. phallus, similar to Osiris, is is a recreation, is, is something inorganic, like a magician's wand. And so they've, they themselves are so identified with this non-dual understanding of reality or rather dualist understanding simultaneously that they become you know united and then that has to do with the origins of well adam and eve of course and they and maybe they're having made it with lilith and samael so this is all really fascinating stuff that i know you got into in, in baphomet and it appears right. that the masons are a clandestine magical sect derived from these practices that initiates people in a compartmentalized way to control them and by and by they're given different keys for understanding this magical uh philosophy if you will right so i mean like i'm not trying to uh attack any uh order or secret society i mean i'm not against like told like like how oh, i hate masons or whatever but i mean but you know it's the stuff is you know it's out there you know <laughs> all you gotta do is just look it up online yeah yeah so I'm just we're not we're not attacking anybody <laughs> we're not attacking anyone we're just yeah, presenting just... ideas and information which is our right you know we have the right to uh try to understand reality as much as anyone else and especially when those forces are involved in things like assassinating you know democratically elected presidents like john f kennedy in a kabbalistic ritual uh in dallas where the oldest freemasonic lodge is figured and where george w bush was present on scene so these uh people who are involved in freemasonry you really need to know what you're getting into uh, they're not going to tell you all this in the porch degrees uh, they they are very skilled and adept at lulling people into a false sense of security and then pulling the rug out from under you. And so anyone who asks you to be blindfolded in a ritual, you should be wary of. That's my advice. I'm not a Mason. I've worked closely with Masons, and I can tell you um, they are not very forthcoming. Uh, and they're, they're trained to, like the double-headed eagle, speak out of both sides of their mouth. And they see that as... Uh, really advantageous and therefore justified. They see that if you're not an initiate, it's your own fault that you're profane. And mm -hmm. that if, you know, if you can see the guy there, you know, getting uh, poked in his butt by another, by Masons gathered around him and the goat. And 
you know, this kind of tongue in cheek dismissal of, oh, you know, it's so silly. We're, we're not really doing any of this. Well, maybe at the higher degrees and in secret, they are. And if you look at the, the history of the Knights Templar, as well as uh, what's being implied here, and if you look at different satanic sects like the OTO, you know, absolutely, they're performing uh, rituals involving sodomy. And so the goat is associated with that. And uh, of course, most people, they're, they're trained apologists. It's like listening to like Biden's uh, current uh, press secretary. You know, she's unflappable. You, you could, uh, <laughs> it's amazing to watch people just bullshit endlessly, <laughs> no matter how you, how you have them dead the rights. They're just not, they're never going to admit it. It's, it's, this is the thing with psychopaths and narcissists. And I think a lot of these secret societies, they're inculcating a sociopathic worldview in their followers where you don't ever have to be accountable. And as long as you can repeat some uh, ready-made apologia, you're fine. And uh, we see where that leads. So, yeah, I mean, we're not attacking anyone, but we have the right to point out that, look, maybe this isn't the way to go. And uh, if people are not transparent from the outset with you, chances are they don't have good intentions for you. For sure. I mean... Now, when it comes to like that, you know, Baphomet, like he, if you look at like a Kabbalistic literature, talk about the Tanavir. I mean, there's a book called um, The Treaties of the Left End the Nation, and it talks about how it doesn't talk about Baphomet specifically, but it does talk about this figure called the Tanavir. It's kind of like this intermediary figure between uh, Samael and Lilith. So there's that. And we definitely talk about it in the, uh, the, the book for sure. Um, so yeah, let's the next slide here. You might, you might like this. <laughs> nice. Some funny memes. Just kind of do some, <laughs> get some levity in here, you know? Everything's so serious, you know, it's, you know, it's an anniversary of 9-11. So let's just, you know, be a little funny here. <laughs> I mean, there's so much yeah. that can be said about Pepe and, you know, chaos magic and the good side of magic where, uh, you know, there was actually, they called it, uh, dubs, right? When, when Q first appeared on the 4chan boards, somebody had posted Donald Trump will win the presidency. And, you know, they had these random numbers generated with each post and it had like seven sevens in a row. It was ridiculous. And people are like, oh, it's a prophecy. But in a way it was true. So, uh, Pepe means a lot to people who've been following Q from the beginning, like myself and, uh, to see him, pulling out his his mighty Excalibur against, you know, this cuck face with the cube of Saturn and right. <laughs> Baphomet and Klaus Schwab, who we all know wants us to eat bugs and be slaves and not own a <laughs> damn thing. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Pepe's cool, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm down yeah. with Pepe. Duncan Trussell's afraid of Pepe. It's so funny to see people like, you know, these kind of like uh, popular Satanists. You know, and I don't, I don't want to say that Duncan is a Satanist, but he damn sure, I've heard him say hell Satan quite a few times. And I've heard him, uh, you know, he had Damien Eccles on his TV show, his cartoon, he had him on his podcast, a uh, little too comfortable with covering up for people that are convicted child rapists and murderers like Damien Eccles. So, I mean, you know, maybe, maybe he can bring that up next time Joe Rogan has him on his show. I, I, I sincerely doubt they'll do anything other than just dismiss it and say, oh, conspiracy theory. And <laughs> the whole clown show of it is funny to me because these guys, they, they came in like they were, 
like independent. They never were, you know, and they're, and they're connected to a lot of shady people. And I'm frankly sick of seeing these people given so much influence when all they do is sell Satanism in different right. forms. So, yeah, I, you know, Duncan, if you're not a Satanist, go and get a Pepe tattooed on your forehead. <laughs> Duncan? So what's his, is, is that his first name or his last name? His first name is Duncan. And I don't have anything against Duncan. I think he's actually super okay. funny and, like, very intelligent. But he's pushing psychedelics. He's, he's oh, pushing God. the agenda 100%. And I, I don't have anything against psychedelics per se. Just like with any of this information, I think we need full disclosure. Let's talk about the acid casualties. Let's talk about MKUltra. Let's not turn it into conspiratainment where, you know, you, you really nothing. You're not advocating for people to do anything other than kind of be a hipster. Uh, when people are dying, people are being told to, you know, inject themselves with experimental medicine. Uh, I'm just, I'm just over it. You know, I remember when, when these guys were not nearly as popular and so to see them gain this massive following, which is not organic and to see how it all connects to Rogan and then to see that, Oh, look at that. They're, they're, they're friends with the church of Satan, Anton LaVey and his progeny. So, yeah. You know, it is what it is. Yeah, Damien Eccles, I mean, I watch a lot of his stuff. So, I mean, he, he does have a lot of good stuff. But, you know, he's definitely associated with <laughs> a very, very dark crime, you know. So, and he made a whole career out of it. So, you know, yes. decent around, I guess. <laughs> uh, let's see here. <laughs> let's go to the next one. Uh, so, uh, this next image, this is the... Uh, this one guy, I think that's really, I think that's really Solomon, but uh, but some people think that's more like the capitalistic image of the of the Zir, the Czar Anpin. So what that means is, it's like um, it's just a fancy word for Adam Kadmon, I think, or um, or the, they call it the lesser countenance of God. Uh, and you see different figures like uh, Metatron in the Kabbalah or in, in, in uh, Enochian literature. He's like the, the, the lesser Yahweh. It was kind of like that idea. But the reason why I, I have this guy, he has he's surrounded by uh, the Ouroboros. And uh, there's two other Ouroboros figures over here. Uh, one of them in the middle, uh, it comes from an earlier text, alchemical text. Uh, I forget which book it is, but uh, but I know there's a, a lot of different figures that definitely used uh, the Arboros to represent uh, a lot of different things, including not just, uh, I mean, of course, it represents the Leviathan, it also represents uh, this this idea of the, the sum of all philosophy. Mm. And, and then I'll just read just my notes here so you so you know what I'm talking about. So I'm gonna. This is actually a quotation taken from the Baphomet book, uh, and it says here, um, the Corpus Hermeticum tells us that a soul entering a physical body is being quote unquote baptized or immersed into the inferno of matter, uh, which is you know, represents or re represented by the lustful pleasures of, uh, and pains of the flesh as a form of punishment. So in the O-Fine diagrams of the universe, as revealed by Kelsus and Origen, the Archonic realm of matter is surrounded by 
a circle labeled Leviathan. Now, the Ophites are said to have viewed Leviathan as the soul of all things, alternatively, the soul that travels through all things. It is the equivalent of the Ouroboros, the snake swallowing its own tail, often used to represent the barrier between the cosmos and eternity, or uh, beginning meets the end, and uh, engenders a new beginning. So it says here, the image was popularized by Cleopatra, the alchemist, third to fourth century author of the Chrysopia, or gold making, who described the Ouroboros as the sum of all philosophy. And uh, and here's another quote. Now, this is from a quote that I'm going to read from my, my own book called The Sun Lady Unveiled. So, and I wrote, uh, Jesus's role in the Pistis Sophia is described as a savior descended from the realms of light into the sphere of fate to free the righteous from the demonic powers of the zodiacal regions and the dragon that circles the sphere of fate. It says here, Jesus actively works against the dark arts brought on by these demonic powers and slay the human soul by binding it to a counterfeit spirit. And um, it says here, this is confirmed by the Pistis Sophia who also portrays Jesus as a high priest and makes various invocations to the father along with his disciples, Thomas, Andrew, James, and Simon the Canaanite. So, so yeah, so there, there you go. <laughs> Interesting. So, so just to, to uh, paraphrase, Leviathan would be kind of the substrate of reality as we know it, that we're embedded within when we become incarnate and that Jesus, Jesus is this spirit, like a Bodhisattva that returns to prevent that, that domineering reality from, executing i guess karmic karmic law in a way that you know could enslave us forevermore to the fates yeah. or to the archons right so like the leviathan is also i mean you can think of leviathan as even like our as it, it encloses the, the fixed stars right so mm -hmm. we're going to see that very soon here so yeah jesus is you know is very is viewed you know in a very positive light in uh, early Gnosticism, right? But, mm -hmm. but when you see, like, you know, look at what what the Templars, uh, you know, confessed to or accused of, like, you know, they, they, were, they were accused of you know, blaspheming the cross and uh, pissing on it or spitting on the cross or, you know, stuff like that. So, but it's definitely part of, the, part of that initiation, right, to... Uh, uh, get rid of your uh, your former life, your, your former. I mean, just in, any sort of like connections with like traditional religion. I would say the outer religion to like the inner mysteries of uh, of this of the of this dark chaos magic they're involved in. You know, so that's how I kind of interpret that. So, so you're saying that it could liberate you from the entanglement with these dark forces. Well, what I'm saying is like, well, did they, they, I mean, with the temple, it seems like what Perkinsall is saying is like, he, it's like they practice like an inverted dark form of Gnosticism, you know, because originally, you know, Gnosticism wasn't really like that, you know, but it only became like later on, it took like this dark form of it, you know, so that's what, I think is that what Perkinsall is saying. But at the same time, uh, when you read uh, the Church Fathers and their 
uh, writings on these different uh, schools and groups of these different Gnostics of like uh, some of them, like the Ophi specifically, you know, were involved in uh, rituals involving serpents, you know, so, or like, uh, I mean, whether there were orgies or not, I mean, I don't know, but um, the, a, a, a lot of these church fathers sort of imply that. I think it was Epiphanius said, uh, specifically said that, you know, there are a lot of these groups were involved in that. So, and, and, and Epiphanius, he was like a, an Orthodox bishop, but he was saying that a lot of these uh, groups like the Phoebeanites or the Barbalites, they were involved in eating their own emissions <laughs> as a form of, uh, uh, of a mass or like a sacrament. So, but, uh, or also involved in eating like, uh, not so much like babies, but, or, or like, a, like an aborted fetus in a, in a sacrament, like a dark sacrament. Yeah. So, but they took a, the, like the aborted fetus and then, and then they mix it up with like honey and pepper just to make it more palatable to the senses, <laughs> to your taste buds. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty gross. But, um, wow. but I mean, go ahead. Well, I've heard something similar. Uh, when I was younger, I, I happened upon this book about the uh, Agori, which are this mm -hmm. kind of like left-hand path sect of religion, uh, Hindus uh, in India. And so they would eat all manner of cursed and, and decrepit thing as a way to initiate themselves into the understanding that everything is everything. And that's kind right. of what you see with these these esoteric systems in the West also is that, well, if everything is made of the same thing, then it doesn't matter what you eat because you're just, you're just recycling the energy that is the substrate of reality or Leviathan. Mm -hmm. And so, and so, um, but it just seems like, like you said, a very perverse and inverted way to get that philosophy across. And I've heard it in Buddhism as well. One of my favorite martial artists, he describes how, you know, he became enlightened and he would hang out with a lot of Buddhist priests and at one point, you know, they were all reciting their favorite platitudes of, to that effect that, you know, we, we are the enlightened because we realize that everything is made out of the same energy. Mm -hmm. And so he took them to task. They were at a, a festival and he had seen some vomit on the ground. And he said, well, hey, brothers, now's the time to, to walk your talk. Go ahead and eat that vomit. <laughs> you know, since you're yeah. so enlightened, go ahead and scoop up this drunk's vomit and show me. And I think he actually ate a little bit of it right in front of them. Uh, oh my goodness. Spooked them, spooked them pretty good. But you know, I mean, that it's kind of, have you ever seen that, that one guy who, uh, he stuck his arm up in the air for like 30 years. So he's got this withered, like tree limb just jutting out and, uh, he's got crazy locks down to his butt and he's, he's revered for being like so devoted to God that he just never put his arm down. But to me, that just seems like ridiculous. You know, it's, it's like, cutting off your nose to spite your face rather than saying, well, I'm, I'm so beyond the physical that I can just mortify myself totally. And, you know, it's like, well, that's one way to do it. But I mean, is that really, is that why you're here? Is that, is that the purpose? Yeah. And maybe it was, maybe it was his particular, I mean, he has free will. He can do whatever he wants, but I mean, I'd, I'd much rather be able to use my arm and help people than just walk around saying I'm a testament to, you know, yogic beliefs. Right. So yeah, I mean, all that stuff is just you're just you're trying to like key into like the negative side of existence, basically. I mean, that's what mm. all all this stuff is meant for, you know, all these rituals and stuff like that. But uh, let's see here. So this, so this is um, 
this a figure uh, there, there's a Zeus and then there's Metis that's coming out of his head. So that's where Metis comes from. Hmm. Um, then you know, she's kind of like reaching up to this uh, Hebrew Yod. character. Yod, yeah. And you have uh, two pillars behind them. You have like the the four cherubim, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, four living creatures. Uh, and then uh, below, then he's like uh, in front of this uh, or behind uh, this uh, a figure called the the perfect man or the uh, well, it's a person in, in a uh, arch of hysteria posture. He looks like he's like a an Ouroboros, basically. You know, right? So he's like, so if you, if you remember earlier, so the Ouroboros is the sum of all philosophies. So in a way, like yeah, he's considered like the um, the yeah, he he is the perfected man, the zodiacal man. Um, so let's see here. Let's see here. Let's go ahead. And then there's another guy. Yeah, there's a zodiacal man by Michael Rhodes. So I found that on Tracy's site a long time ago. Interesting. So, so you've got a human being taking the form of the Ouroboros. Of also in uh, the secret teaching of all ages, I think he was describing that that was like the Earth was like a man who. Uh, you know, being a culmination of the 12 signs of the Zodiac, you know, become, it becomes enlightened through passing through this reincarnation cycle through the ages and through time and each of these different aspects of God or of, of personality. Uh, that's kind of like the, the PG version, but you see that same arch of hysteria and it could just be the, in, the inversion of Satanists as well, where, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer, you know, decapitates his victims and would pose them like this. And then it ends up hanging from Tony Podesta's wall, you know, ceiling uh, amongst, you know, a litany of uh, outright pedophilic images of, of young girls and boys. And this is where they would host fundraising. And this is where people like uh, David Brock and, you know, Alephantis would gather to raise money for at the time in 2016. You know, the Podesta brothers were the, the most powerful lobbyists in D.C., and, you know, John Podesta is a pedophile. And that's what the WikiLeaks revealed. Uh, yeah. And, you know, so it's we're in an insane era where the people who've been practicing this black magic, they're being unveiled by Q. And so no wonder the mainstream media is scared shitless and that they have to, you know, uh, try to denigrate and chastise anyone associated whatsoever. But of course, thank God for people like Michael Flynn, who outright stated on the 4th of July, I think it was in 2019, maybe 2018, you know, he took the oath of the, the Constitution of the United States of America, and then he and his family all signed off with where we go one, we go all. So they're afraid of these terms because it's, it's a counteraction to their negative magic where they're trying to brainwash and gaslight people into taking experimental vaccines that are... Now we have an increase of all-cause mortality of 40%. That's never happened before outside of, you know, something like a, a, a plague event, a real plague, you know. But even then, when you look at the origins of, say, the Spanish flu, it's linked back to the Rockefellers. So these people are evil. They think they have the right to cull us periodically. I think it's just a larger-scale version of the same types of sacrifices we're seeing supported in, in these... Um, in the allegories of these initiatory diagrams. So make that of what you make of that, what you will 21 years ago, 3000 Americans were slaughtered in uh, a diabolical Luciferian philemic ritual on nine 11. And I, I went to New York on the 10th anniversary and I was there 
and New York was completely changed. They turned it into a United Nations outpost. They'd always planned to do this. They operate with these city states that they create to dominate, like a kind of like a black uh, em, em, uh, embassy, so that they have uh, the ability to control the world through these outposts. And I'm very thankful that they're being exposed. And I hope all those people and their families can wake up and speak the truth about 9/11, because and, until we have justice for those crimes, we are uh, susceptible to these monsters. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a whole big subject, but yeah, it's, def- I mean, all these things are just definitely tied to uh, rituals for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, ritual. So this is a, an Ophite bowl that we talk about in the Baphomet book. And so I'll just read it from, this is like a quotation that I'm going to read. So when what it means. So basically, this is a an alabaster ophite bowl that was found in Syria, and was dated from the third to fourth, or sorry, the fifth century. So there's a scholar by the name of Kurt Rudolph. who wrote a book called Gnosis: The Nature and History of Gnosticism, and uh, he says that uh, that that this uh, this there's some controversy of whether or not this is an actual it was real, but it actually is real. They did verify that. Um, so, I mean, there's also some controversy of whether it belonged to the Ophites or or if it actually belongs to the Orphics, which is like a mystery cult of Greece. And, uh, and of course, that's prescribed to by a figure by the name of Orpheus. Uh, and, uh, I mean, there's a lot of similarities, Orpheus and, uh, and Jesus, too, by the way. Um, but... Uh, but the Orphic religion was very uh, Gnostic in nature. So a lot of people think that maybe um, they preceded Gnosticism or they directly influenced Gnosticism. So then here's what uh, we wrote. Uh, it says here, let us consider what we see depicted inside this bowl. We see a serpent surrounded by 16 naked initiates arranged in a circle, each making an obscure hand, ritual hand gesture towards the snake as if in veneration. Then it says here, um, Perkstall, Howard Perkstall uh, references a passage in the Corpus Hermeticum with Hermetica uh, referring to nothing less than a baptism of wisdom. So an Egyptian, so yeah, Egyptian Hermeticists use a cosmology similar to that of the Gnostics and likewise taught that there was redemption through Gnosis, as you will see below, that they can be distinguished uh, from uh, Gnostics by the fact that they held a relatively positive view of the Demiurge and his creation. Uh, therefore, uh, rather than condemning him for imprisoning mankind in the bondage of ignorance, they gave the excuse that this was merely a test to see which were aggressively enough and seeking wisdom to be worthy of it. So the Corpus Hermeticum allegedly recurs the wisdom of Hermes Trismegistus. So, um, so yeah, in that book, the Baphomet book, so we, yeah, so we connect, uh, so we talk about Hermes quite a bit, but also in that book, uh, we talk about this discourse from the Hermetica. It's called, um, the, the, it's called the, the Discourse of Hermes to Tat on the mixing bowl or the monad. So 
and Hermes explains that the father of all didn't uh, didn't give the noose or the 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 wisdom or the, the the divine intelligence to every person born to the world. So rather, he put it in a mixing bowl, which he sent from down from heaven. So he intended that for each person to uh, to complete with you know to basically it's, it's a form of initiation. Mm. So. So basically, like Hermes was like that that was a figure of that initiation. You're supposed to, you know, immerse yourself in the mixing bowl. Then it says here from the Hermetica it says, you know, if your heart has the strength, if it believes you will rise up again to the one who sent the mixing bowl below, it, if it recognizes the purpose of your coming to be. So then, according to Hermes, all those who heeded the proclamation and immersed themselves in mind participated in knowledge and became uh perfect people because they received the mind so so basically yeah so the so the ophite ball is connected with this uh with a bowl of hermes this bowl of mind right and then um so Carl young he uh his wife uh, was by the name of emma young so she wrote a, a book called the grail legend hmm. and i'm gonna quote it uh right here so it says I think of that vessel filled with noose, understanding, and consciousness, which is mentioned in the, in the Corpus Hermeticum, and that, as Hermes taught, taught his pupil Thoth, or taught, uh, was sent from heaven to earth so that men plunging into it might understand the purpose for which they were created. A vessel of this kind also played a part in the Gnostic mystery celebrations of the antiquity. In Hans' um, Listen, gang, study the serp the mystery of the serpent. An illustration is given to a bowl that appears to have originated in an Orphic community. So on its 16 naked men and women in reverential wor and worshiping attitudes stand around a quilled and winged serpent, the symbol of the Redeemer and the Son of God in the Orphic Gnosis. So in this bowl, the logo serpent is clearly being worshipped by the initiate. So yeah. So so they thought, they thought that the serpent was was uh Jesus, you know, huh. and I've heard that interpretation, uh, and there's Kabbalistic uh, uh, reference to that. So, for instance, you know, Nahash as Hebrew yeah. for serpent, and it also transliterates into three five eight, which is associated with the Fibonacci sequence. And so, for the mm -hmm. Pythagoreans and so much of the uh, uh, those who worship number in all its forms as the mind of God or the noose, uh, they they have a, a way of interpreting uh, this 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 version of Jesus where he is Lucifer. He is the light bearer, and the light is the rational logos of the awareness of sacred geometry. But it's not just in mathematics, it's in scripture. And what really what it represents in that regard is you have the priest who are the initiates who have the understanding of, of what it means, and they can choose to wield it however they see fit. So they can cloak themselves as either light or dark and change sides at will and keep their, their, the laity or the, uh, the lower level initiates in suspense and manipulate them to do their bidding. And so that's where I, I find that this stuff is very um, dangerous because when I first got into sacred geometry, I said, wow, this should be taught in every school. And while I do believe that, yes, you know, the, you can learn a lot from uh, using a compass and straight edge and, and discerning and linking left and right brain and, 
and coming to understand what our ancestors were really involved with, with the creation of the Gothic cathedrals, which they were able to manifest through these, uh, I guess you'd say, inspired diagrams that are a byproduct of wielding the compass and the straight edge and geometry. But sadly, it appears that there's it's a lot more complicated than they would have us believe. So, you know, it's some of these some of these temples they're designed to be destroyed. You know, like say the Solomon Brothers buildings, and you could say that's just the work of inverted Satanist. Uh, but it's it seems that it could just go whichever way the people at the highest level decide it's going to go, and if that means sacrificing a bunch of people to get that energy to feed the egregore of the gods that they serve, they're willing to do that because in their cosmology, everything is everything. So again, what's the difference? You know, right. if, you eat, if you eat a placenta or if you eat a fetus or if you sacrifice someone to get into the Illuminati, it doesn't really matter because it's all made of the same thing. And that's, that's a very terrifying aspect of these, these guilds is that, you know, if you keep pressing and asking questions, eventually you're going to come to the place, well, well, are you or are you not willing to sacrifice yourself and others? I guess the pure form of Jesus would be he's someone who sacrifices himself, like the pelican ripping its own breast to feed its young, that the Rosicrucians utilize. But then that same cult is involved with uh, spreading this ritualistic magic. And they even, you know, they use uh, Igni Natura Renovatur Integra. So they have this idea that through fire, nature is wholly restored. Or in other words, through sacrifice. And I was rereading uh, Baphomet. And uh, one of the chapters you had written, you were describing how, you know, these gods, they're obsessed in the Old Testament with blood sacrifice. Like they want the fat for the smell and the blood of the animal. So what kind of god needs man to make blood sacrifices of the animals that god created in the first place right yeah that's the uh that's argument you know used against you know gods like yahweh you know so yeah he's always trying to smell he 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 likes the smell of like burning fat you know it's like i mean like people say oh an atheist say like what you know what kind of god is that you know (laughs) like is that is that like the the true source you know but I mean, I mean the whole, the whole subject of Yahweh. I mean, it's just, just it's very, it's very complicated, very convoluted. But um, mm. yeah, I mean, maybe we'll talk about it another time. But <laughs> but yeah, Yahweh is definitely this multifaceted figure. I mean, I mean, yeah, a lot of people will say, yeah, he's he's like a lot of Nazis will say he's he's evil or he's a demiurge, yada yada. But I mean, mm. um, but he does. He, Yahweh is also like. A, uh, he has like he also has like a light side too. Like he, he he's called Sabaoth. He's like the uh, the Lord of Armies, right? The, mm. And Sabaoth is also a a um, a title used for a specific deity that we will see right now. Well, so with with Yahweh, I've, and I've heard Yahweh described as an elemental computer. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's like this this impersonal force that. Well, not necessarily impersonal, but it has this dualistic aspect. You know, the 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 like Yaquin and Boaz. You know, it has mercy and strength, and so right. depending depending upon which we call upon, that's what is invoked. And yes, it could be that that is the reality of being uh, entombed in this world, so to speak, is that you can call on those powers and you're responsible for the choices you make. But is that the ultimate God? And didn't the Gnostics say that there was a God outside of the Pleroma? Yeah, it's like the monad, like the first ion or the you know, the biathos. So like that's like the ultimate, the source, you know. 
the source of the pleroma. Mm. Um, but um, over here is uh, Abraxas, and then you have uh, this other, uh, another Abraxas-like figure with a penis. <laughs> uh, so uh, this is so this is actually a, a statue that was found in the Vatican. Um, it was an, it's an image, of course, an illustration of a statue, but uh, but it's called the Savior of the World. <laughs> <laughs> and these other two figures are Abraxas, of course. And Abraxas is a, very much interconnected with uh, the Gnostic religion. Um, so, and we talk about these two, all this, all these images in the Baphomet book. Um, and of course, the Knights Templar used uh, the image of Abraxas quite a bit in their seals when they were uh, sending messages to each other. So, you know, that's like a smoky gun right there. You know, Abraxas was used a, a figure to ward off evil, I would say. It was like an amulet, basically. Mm -hmm. But Abraxas was, Abraxas had a, um, his other name for Abraxas was Sabaoth. So, so he's definitely connected with Yahweh, too, strangely enough. So, um, so there's a guy named uh, Thomas Wright in the 1800s and he wrote a book called the worship of regenerative powers so you know this chicken guy you know with a literal cock coming out of his mouth i mean that's like um it represents like the yeah this this male kind of gen generative kind of uh, energy you know that uh, you know all men have right mm -hmm. but um but it's like it's sort of like it's like a divine power basically trying to invoke. I mean, that's what, and um, people like, um, there's a, this lady called Acharya S, if you ever heard of her, but. Oh yeah, Diane Murdoch. Diane Murdoch. Yeah. 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 So I don't know if her, maybe it is Diane, I don't, know, I don't remember her first name, but uh, yeah, she wrote a book called The Christ Conspiracy. Hmm. But, uh, but on her website, she was talking about that image on the, on the left. And uh, she was saying that these are like, this is an image, uh, that is connected to a Priapus, which is like this, like a Greek god with a giant penis, <laughs> and uh, it was always erect. So, uh, but it's definitely part of their mystery cults. I mean, whether they're probably doing the sex magic, who knows? Um, but what's also really crazy about that figure, say the world figure, is that he's it's actually connected with Saint Peter. Uh, so, so yeah, so St. Peter is depicted as a Braxis with a giant cock. <laughs> uh -huh. So, you know, Peter, you know, Peter is like a, like a euphemism for cock, you know, for a dick. Right. So, so you have that going on. And, you know, and Peter was actually a, uh, a title used in the ancient world for these different Roman Greek gods, including, uh, of course, Zeus, but other deities like Apollo and Mithras and Baal, yeah, they're all Peters or Petters. And, pa and, P and P Peter is another form of Pater, which, you know, of course, doesn't mean, doesn't mean father, you know? Yes. Or, and Pater was also a word for uh, the priests of these ancient uh, mystery schools, or they're called interpreters of the mysteries, I would say, you know? Um, Total. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, and, and so Peter is the cornerstone of the Catholic Church, right? He's he's seen as the 
the lineage that gives them their their just right to carry forward what they see as the doctrine of Christ. And so so this is how the mystery schools operate is that you know they have multiple uh, definitions. And as you gain initiation, you realize that there's a multivalent uh, structure of correspondences that allows you to really interpret it as you see fit for the moment. So, uh, and if you're unaware, you see this in the court system too of legalese and how they've co-opted a lot of the American court system with, you know, certain terms like person or, you know, motor vehicle. So when you, you know, but the fourth amendment gives us the right to travel without being, uh, you know, unduly arrested or seized or, you know, harassed. They have to have probable cause in America. But what they've done is they've come up with this color of law, uh, I guess you would say, uh, false doctrine that they've superimposed on top of the Constitution, and they trick us into getting licenses. So just like the Catholic Church selling indulgences, they go, well, we'll let you uh, commit the sin of driving a motor vehicle if you get to pay the prerequisite fee and you get a license because now you have our permission, you know, and you have to register your vehicle with the state. Well, Regis and register, Regis means king. So you're giving the title of ownership to the king in order for the privilege that you already possess as a sovereign in the United States of America. So it's, there are all these ways that they've, they've secretly kind of superimposed a fake world, a matrix on top of our reality and they are usurping our rights all the time. And it's as you learn these different definitions. So you say, okay, does this mean that, you know, the the chicken rooster, you know, cock deity is actually the foundation of the Catholic Church? <laughs> yeah, no, isn't that crazy? Yeah, uh, it so, is. Uh, so I'll just I'll just read a little bit from uh, the Baphomet book. So it says here, Acharya S. found an, a rare actual photograph of the Savior of the World presented as an image of Priapus in Otto Augustus Wall, Wall's book called Sex and Sex Worship, Phallic Worship, a Scientific Treatise on Sex, where it states that it was found in an ancient Greek temple. She also quotes an article called Priapus, I uh, can't pronounce this word, uh, Galaceus, the role of the cock in fertility and eroticism in classical antiquity and the Middle Ages. And then by Dr. Lorraine Baird, where it says the object was published under papal and royal authority, exhibited for a time in the in the 17th to 18th centuries, and and is now said to be held inaccessible in the secret collections of the Vatican. So during the public life of this bronze, officials disagreed upon the the probity of the exhibit. So one offended cardinal requested that the object be, be removed. It says here, the Vatican Savior as a phallic cock was a scandalous satire on early Christians. So, um, so yeah, there's a lot of different satires that I come to find uh, shocking. Well, not shocking, but, you know, there's a lot of satir satires going on in the ancient world for sure. So, like, in the Baphomet book, we talk about this figure called this donkey god. <laughs> hmm. uh, and and uh, this donkey god or an ass god was, like... Um, you know, some uh, I think it was like a church father by the name of Tertullian. He says that uh, a lot of these Gnostic groups thought that uh, this donkey guy was like symbolic or the, or actually the real form of Yahweh. <laughs> like because uh, yeah, yeah. So like they thought that um, whenever like the the Jewish high priest entered the holy of holies, and then 
one time, I, think, I forgot where he says, Chuck Trillian says this, but uh, there were this rope with a bell. And if you got, if you went too far into the Holy of Holies, and, and then if you, if you didn't show, I mean, if you weren't there, like there were some other priests like holding onto the rope. So if they didn't, if, if you wouldn't show, if you didn't, you know, come back in the Holy Holies, then they wouldn't know that you're dead. So they just like pull you from the Holy Holy because, you know, if you didn't like prepare yourself to meet, you know, Yahweh, you know, it makes sense. Well, I've seen also where uh, the cable toe that Freemasons use, they have, a. I think it's, don't quote me, but it's the, it's, I think the Mark master degrees. So when they start telling you about, you know, Solomon's temple and descending into the crypt through the keystone to the negative clipothic realm. And so they wrap this around your waist for probably just that case, just in case you don't manage to survive the, the revelation that, yeah, you're going to meet the devil. Uh, You're going to meet the infernal powers by going along this path. And uh, yeah, you could be shocked into stupefaction. And I think in Baphomet also, you describe how some of the Templar Knights that saw the, the, the apparition of, of Satan, that they were basically unable to smile thereafter. They were stricken with like the lack of joy for the rest of their existence incarnate because of this horrific form that they had the, you know, the temerity to, to summon. Yeah. Tracy, uh, yeah, she, she put that in there, but I mean, it it makes sense, you know? So, but but, yeah, but according to like, but for like, um, what is it? Well, that donkey god, that like the, the, a lot of these Gnostics thought that you know that was like the true form of Yahweh. <laughs> <It's> crazy. So, <laughs> well, they're not as who knows. But um, now this is a, an agape feast or a love feast that was is an image that uh, that these Christians or Christians would, you know, would engage in. So I mean, it's kind of like modeled after the, the Last Supper, right? But um. But you know, a lot of these Gnostic groups that had like their own version of this agape love feast. The, so they weren't just eating. You know, they you know they were in, engaged in forms of sex magic and orgies and stuff like that. And in, in the Baphomet book, we talk about how there's a guy named Simon the magician. Mm-hmm. So he would also engage in tantric kind of practices, and he was a guy, of course, that uh, you know Peter. Uh, admonished, you know, rebuked, you know, for trying to buy the powers of the Holy Spirit and acts, right? Right. Um, so, in the Baphomet book, yeah, we talk about, uh, you know, what, what Perks all was saying in, the, in that document and what the Ophites were doing, supposedly. I mean, what, I mean, I'm not even sure if the Ophites really practice it, but, you know, Perks all think, seem, certainly seem to think so. A lot of scholars will say, you know, the, I mean, that's just, you know, hearsay of the church fathers, and this is just, you know, they're just trying to like and make all these Gnostics look bad or whatever. But I mean, whether or not it happened or not, I don't know. Maybe they did. Yeah. Um, then it uh, says here, now I'm going to uh, quote a little bit from the book. Uh, so it says here, the Greek word for seed is sperma, which is another example of the metaphor being used in something called the Gospel of Eve. And uh, Epiphanius uh, quotes from it. It says here, I stood upon a lofty mountain and saw a man who was tall and another little of stature. And I heard as it were the, the sound of thunder and drew high to hear. And he spake with me and said, I am thou 
and, and thou art I, and wherever thou art, there I am, and I am sown in all things, and from wheresoever thou wilt thou gatherest me, but in gathering me thou gatherest thyself. So kind of kind of connects to what you just said earlier, you know, with the with the agories and all that. So with with the what now? Oh the agories, yes. Yeah, yeah. So they so I mean, this is a very cannibalistic idea because you know, in in Luriana Kabbalah, talk about how this the light of uh, of the Ain Sof is basically spread throughout the the universe because uh, we'll get to it. But basically, uh, the Sephiroth and the Tree of Life they hold all this divine light, but they were just too too weak. Well, not weak, but I mean, there were just there was just so much light in the Sephiroth that they broke, they shattered. So now all this light is like spread across the universe. So now each job of the Kabbalist is to uh, absorb this light through like different holy acts, right? They call it like the mitzvah. Um, right. So right. all these different like whether prayer or whatever, but anything that's considered like holy and good, you're supposed to like transmute or alchemize that light back to God, basically in a nutshell. Um, Interesting. But. But a lot of them, but but I found like this idea though is like it's present in a lot of different groups like like in Gnosticism you see that in Hinduism too so so yeah but now uh, you know the Hindus like like you know Shivai Agoris like you know they do it in a more negative way I guess <laughs> but um yeah they're pretty crazy man I mean um, it's 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 philosophically enticing to think you know we're we're gods who have forgotten our place. And I know that they sell this idea of perfecting oneself, becoming an illuminist by undergoing these rituals and reconnecting with the divine so that you, but then also you've got the fallen angel motif where, you know, are we supposed to eventually escape this realm? Which, how are we able to do so? Is it through the mitzvahs? Is it through purification? Or is it the dark path where you become a god of this world? And you're willing yeah. to sacrifice others and manipulate them. And even, you know, the, the firstborn sacrifice, yeah, that's Yahweh to a T. He's telling everyone. I mean, the whole Passover ritual is, if you are opposed to me, I will kill your firstborn. And so a lot right. of uh, fundamentalist Christians, they go, well, yeah, because they're the bad guys. And God's saying you have the right to kill in the case to st stamp out people who are opposed to the quote-unquote true faith. But I mean, that's a, uh, why would God need to perform genocide if He's God? Why couldn't He just snap His fingers and, and lay waste to them? Why does He have to encourage His own offspring to commit murder? Which is, you know, in the Ten Commandments, that's that's the first, you know, commandment: "Thou shalt not kill." Right? I believe that's right. the first commandment. So, oh, I think it's like uh, I think it's actually like not. Worshiping other gods, keeping, like, the Lord is, or to keep, yeah, something about the Lord to worship the Lord, uh, or or not, yeah, not to put other gods before Him or something like that. Yeah. Let's see, I'll look it up real quick. Ten Commandments. But, um, and but, this, um, this is. Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, yeah. I was just going to say. No, that. you're right. Yeah, you shall have no other gods before me. So, so no polytheism. Right. You shall make no idols. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear fault with. Excuse me. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet. So the irony is that you know Freemasons they allow their members to have this this mask of piety 
where they pretend that they're on the level and they're on the square and you know they're seeking harmony but the reality is as soon as you get to the seventh degree they're like look you can go ahead and bear false witness as long as it's a mason right so so there so the irony then is that you know they allow you to worship whatever deities you want so it violates the ten commandment right there you shall have no other gods before me but in a masonic temple you'll have the quran you'll have the bible you'll have the mm -hmm. you know um probably the zohar and, and depending on where you go you'll see that all of these are allowed to be worshipped and then you look in the theosophy i've been speaking with uh, joseph atlow who's done really amazing research along with others like Anthony Chaikin, and uh, I can't remember the gentleman's name, I think it's Jeffrey Spring or something like that, but revealing the formation of the Theosophical Society, how it led to the creation of Zionism and World War II and Nazism. Oh, wow, so, interesting. So it's very dangerous stuff because, you know, they have this hidden doctrine, but they espouse this kind of uh, open-minded uh, comparative religious study. But the goal being... <laughs> to overcome Christianity uh, as well as, but here's the thing, uh, from my research in Christianity and Joseph Atwell, Caesar's Messiah, it was the Caesars who wrote the New Testament. It was the Caesars who, who hijacked the Gospels and created the rabbis, and they're using Kabbalism mm. throughout. So, you know, there's a paradigm shift. There's a twist for you. So is it that we're, we're at the brink as we enter this new age that uh, all of religion is going to be seen in a new light and we have to decide for ourselves what God is and how we will proceed? I think so. And I think, you know, something it, like it may be yeah. something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what, uh, what's his face? Uh, Billy Cooper, William Cooper, he was talking about. Like, you know, we're, we're in this gigantic initiation process with the Hegelian dialectic and no? Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, you get uh, this outcome, you know, this. So, which is the outcome is, you know, the unveiling of the Luciferian religion, you know, <clears throat> the new religion. So it's like the, the merging of the East and West, basically. Yeah. You sent me a. Anyway, sent me <laughs> I don't a, want to get too much. So, go ahead. So, yeah. this Agape Love Feast, uh, where is this? Is this inside of a temple? Oh, yeah, it's like an image. I think it's like I I forget where it is, but I just thought I just thought I'd mention that because you know it is present in the Baphomet book. So um, and could you speak but, up just you know, a little or get a little closer to your mic? You're a little hard oh, to hear. Sure, can you there hear me? Perfect. Okay. Yeah. Sorry about that. Um, no problem. So I'll talk a little bit louder. Um, so yeah. So so you have all these guys doing. It's just like a communal feast, but you know. But of course, that's taken to mean later as more a little bit twisted you know so i mean the thing is like uh, accusations of impiety of impiety and all this kind of crazy stuff i mean that's fairly common in the ancient world you know so uh i know the, the a lot of the pagan romans thought you know the, the early christians were doing all this kind of blasphemous stuff too you know because i thought they were like an alien cult uh they even referred to them as atheists they didn't they didn't believe in the the roman gods you know so right. I don't know, crazy stuff, but heretics, um, yeah, heretics. And then, and then, and of course that sort of mindset, then of course they were, um, the Christians were definitely you know, persecuted and, and then, and then that sort of mindset was transferred over to the Roman Catholic church, you know, with against the heretics. So yeah, it's very, very negative stuff, but you know, it is what it is. It's part of history, but, um, so let's see. And then, you know, this is like a, 
in the map, I was going to mention earlier. So you have uh, Sophia and Paranoia, and then you have Lyoth and you have Behemoth, right? So, that, so these two powers basically control our material universe. So we're just trying to like worm our way out of it, <laughs> basically. <laughs> um, but the the Paranoia just means uh, is the opposite of Paranoia. So it says, written from Wikipedia, where it says here, a person suffering from paranoia feels that persons or entities are conspiring against him. A person experiencing paranoia, on the other hand, believes that the world around them conspires to do them good. So the belief nice. can be irrational belief subject to medical diagnosis or an enthusiastic spiritual belief. Uh, the word entered uh, scientific literature in, in 1982 and was popularized by the Zippy movement in the, in the 1990s. And I looked at the word up, like I was like, "What's what's Zippy?" So <laughs> what is so what a Zippy is is actually is a uh, so this uh, kind of this a hip kind of a 90s hippie, but except that a 90s hippie were involved in like raves and trans and you know drugs and you know all that you know the the whole club scene so that's what a, a zippy was basically in the 90s huh. so they're they were involved in like uh the, the, they they were advocates of of plur <laughs> uh peace love unity respect so i mean i'm oh, not yeah. right. i mean i'm definitely not attacking ravers or anything but i just thought that um paranoia uh, with that i was doing research on that the paranoia term so I was like oh that's interesting but proinoia is like, um, yeah, it's definitely like a, this divine aeon in the Pleroma as well. But, um, but if you like look at it from from a more earthly perspective, that's what it means. Also, <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's all these different archons within the, the realm of uh, Leviathan and all these different angels in the the realm of Behemoth. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, pretty fascinating. And then here's another. Uh, Diagram here, uh, and then I uh, have uh, the different aeons in the Pleroma. You have the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, which is very Christian, of course. You have knowledge, prudence, love, and wisdom. The Gate to Paradise, and you have the different archons that control, you know, fate in the universe. Uh, so that this one is from uh, a book called Gnosticism by Mary W. Berry. Yeah. So. Let's see. Another Gnostic Ophite diagram taken from uh, Talmus Erasmus. They wrote a book called Paradise Reconsidered in Gnostic Mythmaking, Rethinking, Sethianism in the Light of Ophite Evidence. So this is another really fascinating book. It's a very expensive academic book, but if you're interested in Ophite Gnosticism and all that stuff, so definitely pick that up. Uh, really good book. Um, Here's another uh, Ophite diagram. Uh, all the Pleroma, you know, Paradise Leviathan, and then uh, again with the different uh, planetary powers of the Archons, and then beneath that is the Behemoth that controls the Earth, and then Tartarus. So, you know. So, I mean, like, it's kind of like they're like layers of reality, you know, just like different heavens. And like, and the Ophites were said to have like these different prayers supposed to ascend through each different layer of reality. Uh, 
there's another one. Now, this is a Tree of Fire diagram of Simon the Magician, and he had his own Tree of Life diagram, too. So it makes me think that uh, the Tree of Life is far older than, you know, a lot of the Kabbalists will even say, you know. I don't think it's really a Jewish thing. I think it's more of a, a mystery school thing, really. You know, I think it comes from ancient Egypt, you know. But, uh, I mean, what, and we'll get to that, but here's the, um, then you have uh, the different aeons again in Simon's uh, tree or diagram. Um, and in Simon, you know, it's funny. He's like, he thought of himself as some sort of like a counter messiah to Jesus. So, and a lot of people think, you know, Jesus is Simon or, or, or they're, or they're all um, somehow, yeah, but they're both the same. But I, I kind of think like they're, they're different for sure. So for Simon and, uh, at Jesus. Um, and then, of course, you know, Simon was actually uh, baptized in um, uh, by John the Baptist. You see that in the Clementine literature. So, yeah, Simon was initiated in, in the Egyptian mysteries. And I think Jesus was, too. A lot of people seem to think he was initiated in the Egyptian mysteries. So, um, can you hear me okay? Yes. Okay. Okay. Um Now here's the uh, diagram, right? Uh, the tree of life, or two diagrams really. So let's see here. So, the, so both diagrams, so one of them has all these different angelic names ascribed to each of the sephirots or stations of power on the tree of life and this glyph. So, I mean, the point of the of that tree is supposed to you're supposed to initiate to each glyph or uh, Sephiroth, right? <clears throat> and from each Sephiroth, you're supposed to gain some sort of uh, wisdom or power, right? So, you know, in Masonry, Freemasonry, like, uh, I, I think they definitely use the Kabbalah for sure. So, like, in order to become, like, a 33rd a degree Mason, uh, I think you also have to successfully go through, like, these Kabbalistic initiations. In the Sephiroth, as well as the uh, the Cliffoth, actually. So, I mean, that's what I'm thinking. But uh, I'm, I'm not a Mason, so I could be wrong. But but I do think that it's definitely part of it, as along with something called the, the tunnels of Set. Okay. Now, the now these eleven spherots or sephiros, they correspond with the eleven shells of the Cliffoth, which is like a dark form of the Kabbalah or the shadow, the tree, tree of death. So, and Doth is the uh, the hidden shell, which is the, sort of like the passage between the the red and the blue, the passageway between uh, Gabora and uh, and Chesed, uh, you know, strength and mercy, or judgment and mercy, or or charity. So, and then now there's now there's uh, this is something called pathworking. So, and that's like what a lot of these magicians do. So you have to go through each Sephiroth to gain each power. So in each, now there's also different pathways to keep in mind, and they're all rep represented by the tarot. So this is like the, the hermetic Kabbalah, you know? So which is different from what you see in more traditional versions of the Kabbalah, you know? Like you can see like the Zohar and the Sephiroth Yetzirah and all these different 
text, right? So, and you see that, you know, in the, in the, the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, you know, they have their own version of the Kabbalah. But I mean, really what it comes down to is it, like, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a astral interdimensional structure that's been in existence since the beginning of time. And uh, according to the Kabbalists, we're all basically, we're, we're all keyed into this tree, whether you're aware of it or not. Uh, so you could be traveling the tree without you even realizing it or because it's, it's a part of your DNA. Wow. Something like that. You know? So whether you're conscious or unconscious, you're definitely, you're still traveling within that tree. According to a lot of these uh, occultists, right? So they kind of view it as like this uh, self-development process where it actually involves in dissolving the ego. So, um, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of fear with what, what Freemasonry is. I mean, it's yeah, again, it's connected with the Kabbalah. It's connected with Egyptian mystery, religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, there's also this darker aspect to this whole thing as well, you know. And, and, um, and a lot of the lower degrees, you know, they... Well, I mean, I mean, really, in the Freemason, you're 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 given this task to like uh, to uh, accept more light. You're, you're trying to like you're a brother of the brother of this uh, group, this order, and you're trying to get more light, basically, right? From darkness mm-hmm. to light. And I mean, I think that's like the uh, the axiom of uh, Q, right? <laughs> from, dark, from dark to light, uh, Q and I. So. <laughs> <laughs> so on one, I'm level, a, on one level yeah. for sure uh i you know i yeah it is a psyop so i, I do understand that there's going to be double triple quadruple entendre and they're actually teaching people in a way how the mystery religions operate by teaching uh those methods with their own dispensation with their own uh uh instruction and so in this case you know dark to light we've got to think well yeah we, we've been taken over by a deaf cult that does things like 9-11 uh, in plain sight and then uses that as an excuse to to try to dominate all of us with the total information awareness and the total surveillance and and just, you know, now we have the COVID-19 attempted mass genocide. I mean, it's been successful in some degree because, we, again, we have the 40% increase in all-cause mortality. We've got uh, YouTube and all of these companies, big tech, that are outright censoring anyone who speaks out against them deplatforming them, pushing the social credit score, pushing uh, a gulag existence onto all of us. And uh, you had sent me an image earlier that I, I maybe we can do a quick sque- uh, screen share because it it was uh, a Masonic diagram and it was describing how the, the light of Lucifer was kind of the, the culmination of the Hegelian dialectical ritual that they are pushing on us. And so it is very, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, they believe this and it's not something that you could ascertain without becoming an occultist necessarily. Like they say, here's the framework for reality. And you go, well, how do you know this? And like, well, it's in the, this, uh, what is it? The, the, what's the Kabbalistic text? The, the, the Zohar. Zohar. Yeah. Uh And, you know, so this all goes back to Judaism and that means it all goes back to, you know, post-flood, pre-biblical musings and religious uh, conjuration of, you know, Semites and and previous to Semites, you know, Babylonians. And so 
it is very odd. I mean, it's possible that it's true. We we have these kind of anachronistic artifacts like the 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 pyramids. You know, they the Great Pyramid encodes the dimensions of the Earth with accuracy rivaling modern satellite surveys, and that's covered in the film Cosmic Patterns and Cycles of Catastrophe, uh, which I made. Uh, with Randall Carlson, I did all the animations, the, I produced it, uh, all the compositing, the authoring, the production, you name it, I did it. And, um, you know, I helped illustrate these mathematical realities embedded within the Great Pyramid. And then it also encodes the dimensions of light, the speed of light in three different ways. So clearly our ancestors had a high scientific awareness. And when you realize that Atlantis did exist in some form, it could have been a global diffusion of uh, culture where these uh, supposed enlightened priests were having pyramids be built all over the planet with maybe the goal being uh, advanced geomancy, astromancy, and pursuit of more light. But then you have the darker aspect that could have led to the destruction of the world as we know it with the fall of Atlantis. And so, you know, it's, it's, it is a mystery and, and I just want all sides to be heard so people can decide for themselves. Like, all right, do we want to continue to let dark occultists push us around and tell us that we have to see life through their lens or can we understand what they're saying and still offer a new path where, where there's no human sacrifice involved? There's there's no need for secret societies that speak out of all sides of their mouths and confound and confuse while they supposedly enlighten. Uh, yeah. That that drives me uh, away, honestly. But I didn't mean to interrupt and go on a tangent there. Just uh, yeah, how do they get these diagrams? How do they know that they're effectively true? I think it comes back to sacred geometry as well. For sure, for sure. I mean, really, I mean, you're, I mean, everyone's life is like an initiation, really. You know, it's a journey. So, right. and, and and the goal of is to complete that journey so you can fully live out your your life, your purpose in that incarnation. So it's kind of like a video game, you know, but it's way more complex. So, uh, the Kabbalah is like sort of like the study of uh, of the matrix you know, the, mm. and to master the cabalist in its totality so you can take mastery over the world around you you know so that i mean that's what these people use so to key in to control the world you know when another a lot of these people are quote unquote you know masters of the temple of this technology and, and you see its symbolism show up like almost everywhere it's everywhere like it, you see it in the media it's in movies video games i mean you know, all, there's all kinds of initiations going on here, you know, so, um, but, uh, so, I mean, there's a few more, quite a few more slides have to get through here. So I try to be, uh, as fast as I can here, because I mean, I take, have to kind take, of wrap these arms here. Though. <laughs> no, take your, take your time. We can always do a follow-up. We're at about two hours now. Uh, yeah. but I've got time, so I'm sure people will appreciate it and, and we can uh, make clips of this later too. Okay. So, and then this one is like the, the uh, another image, a capitalistic image of, from Carl Stone. He wrote a book called uh, The Moon Child of Yassad. And, um, oh man. So, yeah, then there's, there's different levels of the Godhead. And there's like, there's Ain, then there's Ain Sof, and then there's Ain Sof Ur. Uh, I mean, it all connects to this, this limitless light of the Pleroma that the Gnostics talk about. And it was like key into that so you can become the master of the temple, <laughs> attain the gnosis, you know. 
right. it is connected to the uncreated light that the Eastern Orthodox talk about, I think. And I'm I'm working on a project that kind of uh, elaborates on that more in depth. So we'll see. So, so the out. the uncreated light, like something like pulling using chaos, bringing the chaotic aspect into formation. Yeah, the uncreated light is like is something that. Uh, the, the, these Eastern Orthodox Hesychast priests are involved in, like, the, like you're involved, in, you're like, you're you're constantly praying, you're constantly like purging yourself of sin. So you you're trying to reach holiness, a state of holiness, so you contain the vision of the uncreated light. So it's very Kabbalistic, in my opinion. But um, so yeah, I mean, the Eastern Orthodox are very mystical uh, sect of Christianity. Um, you know, and I, I do like them. Well, um, I don't think against them, but I mean, it just has. I just think they have a lot of correlations with a lot of these ideas as well. Um, Fascinating. So the Eastern, another... Eastern Orf- so the Eastern Orthodox Christian Church has a lot of parallels to Kabbalism, is what you're saying? Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, it's, it's 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 just so many. But well, um, but I'm working on a project that outlines all that. But we'll see how that goes. But. Um, but yeah, here's another. Here's the other half of the tree of life. So you have all these different paths, you know, connected with the tarot as well. Um, I tried to like fix the at the end there, but oh well, then <laughs> wasn't very too successful. That's all right. Uh, <laughs> uh, here's another uh, another tree. Two other trees. Uh, then there's Adam. Two Adam Cadmons. And it says, I found these two images, but it says at the bottom there, it says, realm, uh, realm of Klipov, scalings of impurity, shells, demons, Gentiles. So basically, <laughs> Gentiles. so yeah, the Klipov, yeah, the Goy, the, you know, the, uh, the, you know, the, the stupid Purell Goy. <laughs> yeah. The Hylix. Hylix, right, right. So, you know, there's a lot of those people. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of them on tiktok oh yeah for sure yeah this, they're all over twitter you know <laughs> the uh what's it called the, the uh the woke mob <laughs> oh, yeah man. totally uh then uh these are the golden dawn diagrams i've found online uh well not online but uh, but they're using, uh, well, I did find online what I'm talking about, but uh, the, the, they're, they're, they're both, uh, well, they're all images associated with the Golden Dawn, but the one in the middle is by a guy named Austin, Osmond Spares. He was like a chaos magician. Hmm. So uh, he sort of like modeled his version of these two diagrams, but basically they're just uh, uh, showing you what you know the, the the creation of the universe and the fall of man. So on, on the on the on the on the le- on the left hand you have you know the the supernal Eden the the image the visual representation of the, the supernal Eden, and then on the left you have um, the fall of Eden, right? And so on the on the figure over here on the left you have like the that so supposedly represents the woman close the sun. From the book of revelation which i talk about in my book um and then below that in the middle there is adam and eve holding up these uh pillars the negative and the positive pillars the or the masculine film the feminine pillars and then below them is the uh, the dragon from revelation as well 
So it's kind of like an egg, basically. So on, on, and then on the right, you have, um, uh, you know, the the dragon escaping his prison. You know, and there's, he's kind of like attacking. Uh, well, the, I mean, the tree of life, really. Like he's escaping into the universe A from universe B. Hmm. So and he's taking over the universe. So then, so, and then above that, you have Yahweh and Asher, the Shekinah being split apart as well so there's this division you know between these universes and then you have of course you have like the four living creatures and all that so so yeah uh and then in the middle it's kind of the same it's sort of like modeled after that image by called a fall by austin osmond spare so uh pretty pretty fascinating but I mean, I mean, if I had, if I, it would take like another hour just to like unpack the, all the symbolism going on here. <laughs> but you have like they also have the uh, the flaming sword from Eden that kind of blocks off the dragon and Adam and Eve from returning to the supernal Eden. Um, but of course, you've got to talk to a Christian. You know, uh, Jesus is the one that allows you to enter into the supernal Eden. You know. Um, so the cop's life in, act, in action. <laughs> uh, so why do I keep talking about the tree of life, the Kabbalah? Well, I mean, it's affecting the reality right now. <laughs> so you have, uh, these are two tweets I found. Uh, you know, you have uh, Joe Biden, right? If you if everybody remembered that, his uh, crazy speech, you know, against the magas, you know? <laughs> um, so... It says here, two flags symbolic of the pillars of Boaz and Yelkim. The USA flag is the middle pillar. The, the, the red backlighting is key. See how the lights on the floor lead to the left pillar, the na, mm. the rose color. This is magic. And then the right says, the queen lighting up the tree of life and activating the DNA strand. So uh, the queen, uh, is the, which queen I'm talking about, you know, it's the queen of England, you know. Yeah, um, finally. <laughs> so uh i don't think i'll i don't think i'll play it because i'll mess up this stream here but oh yeah i'll, I'll uh, bring yeah, that up real quick yeah so so you can go ahead and play it if you want sure thing let me uh open this now yeah this is bizarre i'm glad you shared this with me because uh i hadn't seen this okay here we go brace yourselves everybody you're about to see some real occult stuff oh wow uh that's not exactly what i meant to do one second let me choose a different I forget that effect. It's kind of like dimensions within dimensions. <laughs> There's a word for it. Okay, there we go. All right. Your Majesty, the Commonwealth of Nations globe.
Wow. All so, right. Yeah. So, and you know, I mean, sorry. Go. Oh, I was going to show one more video of, of the queen uh, going through her initiation as a druidic witch. Uh, so showing that she's of the line of, of druidry, if that's the proper conjugation, I don't know. But uh, it is quite interesting to see how seriously they take all of this. So let's do that now. Okay, share screen, and oh, there we go. Did you know in 1946, before Queen Elizabeth was coronated, while she was still princess, she was initiated into a druidic order? This is very rare footage that the House of Windsor has done everything they can to censor. Queen wore green to signify her rank in the order. So yeah, there we have it. You know, so she's a, a druid priestess, and um, you know, she's activating the tree of life in the previous video we saw. So man, tell us, tell us about that, Alex. What's what's going on with this this ritual lighting the tree of life? Yeah, so I mean, that's like well, that's a purple scar. Yeah, it's a, it's a purple sort of like scarlet um, cube, and then she's man manipulating this astral interdimensional structure of the multiverse, mm -hmm. which is a tree of life, and the, I mean, the, and that represents the you know this matrix that we're in. You know, so mm -hmm. it's all symbolic. I mean, like, why would they go to those to do all this? You know, so this is for a reason. So. And you know, I think her death is—it is a sign that the uh, the Mulder is about to start going through some really big changes here. You know, and there are a new elites starting to pop up here. You know, all around the world right now, as you can notice, as of late. Uh, so we'll see what happens. But yeah, crazy stuff. Oh yeah. You know, that's that's how magic works, I guess. <laughs> uh, well, um, we are the we are the supercomputer, you know. We're we're the ones with the ability to to collapse the waveform, and maybe that's what separates us from the fallen angels. Is that uh, in this world we have the ability to, by measuring, by observing, change reality, whereas these other entities maybe they're they're barred from that, so they have to hijack us. They have to co-opt us to do their bidding, and they do it through these elaborate performances where they pretty much put spells on us and expectations and color our worldview so that we become uh, mannequins we become puppets to their desires yeah oh yeah um do you want me to go go, go continue on sure okay so here's Alan Webb. as a templar i found so he's a now templar i'm sure there's others that are like him i was really disappointed to see that interesting yeah it's unfortunate sorry right, but so, I mean, I really don't have anything against these people, but it's just, you know, you have to, once you dig deep into all this stuff, you kind of just patterns, you know? So, well, it's um, interesting. That's so what he says. He, he took an oath to protect the Christians in the Holy Land. And, yeah. uh, you know, that's not what the Knights Templar were doing. That's just a cover story. Right. All right. For sure. Um, 
here's a London Mithraeum. Wow. Uh, and yeah, and that's been reconstructed. I think uh, Michael Bloomberg, uh, and I think Tracy talks about <laughs> Bloomberg quite a bit in her work before she died. But um, but that's you know it's funny enough that's in London, you know, and that's and I'm sure the British royal family are quite aware of how how this Mithraic magic works, you know. Oh yeah. Um, funny me memes here <laughs> that I found online. Punch Nazis. <laughs> oh man, we need some levity. <laughs> Here's a uh, Klaus Schwab under Prince, writing Prince Charles. <laughs> wow, looks like the the Von Hammer Perkstall effigy a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> Oh more, man! The more things change, right? Yeah. Punch Nazis, I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, ET. <laughs> He's got a little clown, clown world. Clown world. <laughs> clown world. <laughs> the, clown, the clown Pepe is escaping the the boat mob. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Who's the so, who's the, uh, the only guy I don't recognize is like the dude in the back with like the khaki shorts and the flip flops. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who he is, but he's like saying bye. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he's like adios. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, man. Funny. <laughs> Whoever made, designed this meme should, I mean, should wins like internet award. Oh yeah, uh, of twenty twenty two. Oh man, that's modern art, man. Yeah. So, and now speaking of world econ economic form, so this is the deity of the EF, in my opinion. That's this is the Ru Rubenzal. This is the green man or the wild man, mm. and Rubenzal was. Uh, it's, I mean, it's a horned deity. You know, you know, it's kind of like these all these meat kind of figures. You know? mm. So, um, so he's like a he's like a deity of the mountain. So, and of course, uh, the WEF is in Davos, Switzerland, right? And he's mm -hmm. like, and definitely, and this deity is also very much intertwined with uh, Switzerland folklore for sure. Um, and I mean, look what happened with that opening ceremony, you know, wow. Goth with the uh, Gothard tone in, in Switzerland as well, back in 2016. So, yeah, another Baphomet. <laughs> well, Goth got means goat, just like Gotham City means like goat city. Yeah, yeah. So, like, so the goat is like imagery is like in a lot of different places. Um, yeah, I, I kind of have to go that going, but um, yeah. here's a. But this is like an image of Saba Zeus, and of course, comes to Saint Peter. And uh, Saba Zeus again is uh, connected with like Zeus, Dionysus. Mm. Uh, and this is, a, but he, also the Thracian horseman of Saba Zeus is with Saint George, as well that yes. defeats dragon. So, so there's that. And Mithras as well. And then Cybele, again, and Attis. So now Cybele is the one that is sort of like the, considered to be like the mother of ancient Rome. And again, she's like the one that lifts up the chain, the sun, the moon, and the, and the pentagram, and all that. The seven star skull. 
So, and uh, Cybele, uh is said to rule over like fertility, the mountains, fortresses, and her crown was shaped like a city wall as well. So it's kind of like she represents, she's, well, to me, she represents the uh, Empress card of the tarot deck. Mm. Um, but her followers call her the Mountain Mother, and that all, all these sacrifices were, were offered to her on mountain peaks, kind of like uh, the Rubenzal spirit over there mm. from before. Right. Um, and, and and also Yahweh was also offered sacrifices as well on mountain peaks as well by the uh, Samaritans. And then of course there's Attis over there on, on the right, and that's the son of Cybel. So uh, and 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 Attis was born on the 25th of of uh, December as well. So appreciate it. Jesus is this crucified hero god. And Sabel's annual festival celebrated uh, the death and the resurrection of Attis as well. So, like, um, so again, like the initiates into these higher mysteries, uh, they were baptized in the bowls of blood, kind of we mentioned earlier. So, like, they're like reborn in eternity, I guess, you know. So, and that happened during the uh, the March equinox. That's when they um, would perform those rites. Right, right. So, um, I mean, just, I mean, this figure definitely. Uh, influences like the, the the figure of like the horror of Babylon that you see in the book of revelation and i talk about it quite a bit in my book as well the sun lighting build so check that book out definitely uh it's a really good follow-up to the baphomet book now the sun lady and veil i mean that's more based on the uh the book of revelation uh, but in my opinion i think that book is very cabalistic and zodiacal in nature and then here's a some interesting images i found online the vaticanus so the word vatican comes from vatis which means uh a prophet or soothsayer so it looks like a like a serpent soothsayer it's kind of reminds oh, me of wow. serpent Eden, right i've never yeah. seen that picture of the vatican with the, the snake body yeah yeah wow. so interesting huh <laughs> fascinating and so yeah. what does it say saint peter's basilica church of satan serpent tail serpent body keyhole serpent head eye mouth yeah and then you've got that that infamous image of the pope with it looks like you know jesus as a uh it's all carved out of wood and it looks like jesus is being tortured and yeah, the, whole, yeah. the whole building looks like the inside of a like looks like a, a snake a serpent yeah. yeah vatican forked tongue pathway yeah so it's this religion of of lying and deception and it cloaks itself in piety and it's got untold amounts of wealth and and the only real true resistance to it that i've ever seen in my lifetime and recently has been uh q you know q pointed out that there's these three pillars that have been running the world this the three sides of a triangle and the vatican is one of them then it's uh the Rothschilds, and then it's soros yeah. and you know they're trillionaires and they, they of course they conjured the monetary system through the aid of baphomet the templars did and through usury, they've enslaved the entire planet. And so when they say you'll own nothing and you'll be happy, that's their declaration of intent. That's them saying, you know, prepare for the return of the age of Saturn where you're all our peasants and mm -hmm. we can do with you whatever we want. And that's their mastery. So the, And then they sell it to their initiates like, oh, well, you're going to become this illuminated master of the universe. It's like, well, you're going to become a corporate whore denizen of Satan if you prefer... You know, material sucker to uh, sucker, I should say, to to a righteous path where you you want to actually eliminate poverty and and actually liberate people from 
these these false gods. So wow, what an image! Uh, this reminds me of um, Serpent Mound in Ohio, also, which is a largest one of the largest uh, serpent effigies on the planet. So it makes me wonder: uh, is this cult connected to the the fall of Satan in the form of a comet? And maybe yeah. you know, <laughs> it seems like it's all kind of mixed together somehow that I'm still trying to parse and understand. But please continue. This is mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of uh, Protestants will say that, you know, the Catholic Church is like the the home of the Antichrist and the false prophet. Um, and, uh, and I talk about all that stuff in my book. I, I, I mean, um, like I talk about you know, how there's a, an apocryphal book called um, the Book of Ezra. And um, mm. it says that uh, the, the, uh, the Nephilim or the Titans, or no, sorry, the Antichrist is a Nephilim or Titan. So, and that's what um, that book says. So, I think of uh, St. Michael who gives that piece of information. So, to uh, Ezra the prophet. I see. So, pretty crazy. <laughs> uh, now, now, here's the uh, Leon Tessafilion. No, sorry, the Leon Tessafilene. And he's a, a lion-headed deity. He's a part of the uh, Mithraic Mysteries. And, and uh, he holds the key. Notice he's holding it to the kingdom, right? It's kind of like Saint, what St. Peter is supposed to do. Um, then in the middle, you have Mithras, and you also have Eros or Phanes. So part of it, they're all connected to this sort of like the same mystery um i mean they're worshipers of soul invictus so they're all uh uh representation of soul invictus or like this um so yeah it's it's, it's very complicated but but the, all these different definitely influenced the roman catholic church, church for sure and gnosticism and quite a bit and uh well, speaking of Mithras in the book. Okay. I was going to say, speaking of uh, encephaline or cephaline, it's linked linked to the term uh, encephalitis, which is an infl inflammation of the brain. So I just looked this up real quick and just wanted to add this little piece. Uh, let me find that Chrome tab. There we go. Okay. So encephalitis, inflammation of the brain from encephalo, the brain, plus itis, inflammation. So right there, uh, we go back to your document, and you can see the cosmic egg is potentially a brain. Like if you looked at somebody's head from above, you could. This is like, uh, uh, excuse me, Athena bursting out of Zeus's head. This kind of uh, awakening or new god that's created through conjurations of the supercomputer of the brain that we are fortunate to possess in this world. So I thought that was just another way to look at this, you know, because Leon, lion brain, uh, would fit in with Hammer Perkstall's Met idols easily. So anyway. For sure. You know, even though he's not in there, but yeah, he's, he should be in there. <laughs> um, let's see. But yeah, Mithras uh, is a definitely in, deeply influential figure, for sure. And then... Um, as a figure of uh saint michael too um 
I mean, there's a lot of parallels with uh, Michael the Archangel and Mithras. And I point that out in my uh, my summary book. And of course, you're right again. And then, you know, that statue come, is found in the Vatican as well, the Vatican Museum. Uh, but uh, the uh, Feline, I mean, it's not an evil god necessarily, like because the Mithraeus thought, thought he was like, uh, I think the good demiurge, right, or the Mithraic mm -hmm. Saturn. So, so they definitely like you know try to appease this deity, you know, unlike the Gnostics would. But he definitely influenced also the figure of the of the Gnostic demiurge because he's a lion-headed serpent, but he's also interconnected with Yahweh and Saturn. So, um, and then um, in the Sun Lady, you talk about how, uh, you know, the Archangel Michael is described as this uh, commander of the army of the Lord in Joshua. And you also see that in the book of Revelation as well, where it casts out the dragon from heaven and the reborn heaven to, to uh, defend the Sun Lady or the mother, or the, sorry, the woman clothed the sun. Yeah, the mother of the Lord, basically. Yeah. But um, so, yeah, he represents the forces of light that attacks the forces of darkness. So he's kind of like Mithras. So he, he's also kind of, he's also in like a uniform. He's like the patron saint of like police officers and soldiers and defense. So, I mean, he's definitely useful in those regards. He's like associated with justice. And here we, he's standing over like a dead soul. This is an icon of uh, Michael, an Orthodox icon that I found pretty interesting. Um, now there's um this is an interesting story by a saint, but his name is the life of Saint Hubert, the bishop of the Avranches. So it says here on uh, one night in the year 708, the archangel Michael appeared to the bishop in a dream, ordering him to erect a sanctuary on Mount Tombe. At that su at that time, the mount was a remote site far from any road and could only be accessed by passing through the vast for forest of Sicily, which was inhabited by wolves and wild beasts. For this reason, the bishop was reluctant to act, and whereupon the archangel Michael appeared again, and sensed at the bishop's uh, prevarication, he struck the cleric with a blazing finger, leaving a deep mark in his skull persuading him to finally build the sanctuary which gave the site it the christian name of saint of you know with saint michael's and in later years the hole in the in the relic of the bishop's skull was explained as a mark of the archangel's finger so i found that story really interesting so but i mean there's, but there's a lot of um instances where uh christian churches were built over like pagan uh temples like you know of Mithras, for example. So, so there's that, that connection too, you know. Interesting. Um, and here's another, yeah, another representation of Michael, uh, by uh, Guido Reni, Michael defeating Satan. There's another image of Michael, which I think I found on another website called Deviant Art, but just I don't know if they named the artist, so I'll just leave it as unknown. Another. Some other apocalyptic images of uh, Michael casting out uh, the dragon, defending uh, the woman clothed the sun from Revelation 12. Uh, and then let's see here. And here's a sun lady unveiled 
Sorry, AI. And now, now that's like a, uh, a AI system that generates artwork wow. just based on the, uh, the words you put in. So yeah, you can definitely Incredible. go that. Yeah. I mean, I didn't do it, but I just, yeah, the, the, the AI system did it. <laughs> it's scary. Good. I mean, that took, yeah. probably took it 20 seconds and it would take a human, you know, like a few months, 20 hours. Yeah. yeah. Just to like perfect the whole thing. Yeah. Or like, yeah, like a few days just to make, you know, a really good artist probably take a few days. Oh yeah. Even the fastest Photoshop artist, that's several hours. Um, and they're doing it in seconds. And I mean, it's its going to change everything. But like you're right, we have these 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 uh, new technologies that are maybe going to become the heads of the new religion, for better or for worse. I know. It seems like that. With our AI god becoming the demiurge of the world. <laughs> uh, so, so much insanity, you know. Oh, uh, yeah. The beast, you know. Uh, so I don't know if you want to play the trailer. It's kind of long. Yeah, let's um, do that. But I mean, I'll just read. Oh, I just read the the summary real. So because on on the on the, uh, on the text of the trailer, it's a little too fast. So I'll just read it real quick here. So this here, the Book of Revelation, chapter twelve, tells of a pregnant woman clothed with a ping things it also tells us before saint michael flung the dragon to the earth he pursued the winged sun lady to devour her and her royal child of god but in the last moment they are snatched away to safety many have speculated this story connects to the uh, great celestial sign pointing to a, a series of future calamities which are unfolding before our eyes so these stories symbols and archetypes point to an emerging revelation about human secret past and ultimate death we must travel back to ancient israel samaria uh that's with s-a-m-a-r-a -A -A, samaria not sumeria but even there's a connection there as well um egypt rome greece and babylon to find the origins of the sun lady so why does the occult place special emphasis on the book of revelation do you have the heart and mind to discover the truth? Join me, Alex Rivera, for an exciting and dangerous journey into the esoteric and hidden dimensions of the Sun Lady Unveiled. So yeah, awesome. go ahead and play it if you want. <laughs> okay, right on. So here we go.
So yeah, it's pretty intense, Alex. I look forward to reading your book. And for those who want to pick it up, they can find your work on Amazon. Yes, for sure. Yeah, and I'm gonna go to my next slide here. Let me. Can you see my 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 slide here? Uh, not yet. Let me uh, stop sharing. Okay. Okay. Uh, we're ready now. Okay. So it is available on Amazon for sure. So that's uh, my book. So it's the front cover, of course, and then on the left and the, the back cover on the right. Uh, so, and the artwork is from a, a guy named Jesse Pepper. And uh, you can go to his website. And he's a really, he's a brilliant artist. So uh, I'm, I, yeah, I'm, I think I'm going to him for my next books here. So I'm still working on them. So we'll see how they turn out. Um, I am working on a new book. Uh, it's called The Laurel Turns Green, which is uh, a collection of different essays I wrote on my website, but I took them down uh, but uh, for different reasons, but I decided to like republish them on a new book uh, for people to read. So uh, hopefully I'll get that done soon within the next few months here. And then I'm working on another project as well, which is taking up a lot of my time as well. So we'll see how that both turn out. But um, the other project projects, it's kind of too early to tell. Um, but I'm still working. I mean, I'm working on it slowly, but surely, you know, so I work, I do all this stuff like on the weekends, you know, when I have time, but you know, this is, this isn't really like my, uh, full-time job. So, uh, well, not yet. I and like to this, you know? totally. I think you can. And, and for all those listening in, you know, Alex just gave us, you know, almost three hours of his time and which is, you know, a culmination of decades of research. And I think he's really onto something here. And I think uh, everyone would be, would gain something and be edified from going through his work. Uh, Christians, Muslims, Jews, you name it. Uh, this is a decode that you're receiving. And um, please support him. If you, if you want to see art flourish, uh, the, big, the big box companies, the corporate conglomerates, they have more than enough. 
they uh, and they're not our friends. We saw it with the Great Reset, with the COVID, you know, farce that they pushed on us. They could care less if they uh, perpetuate genocide. So support independent artists, support independent philosophers. Uh, go to Alex's website, the aeonicom Join his email list. Uh, find him on socials. Send him your questions and follow-ups. You know, he's he has the potential to. Uh, go even further with his research but like so many of us he's he's chained to just uh you know a job that's not fulfilling his passion and uh so i want to have him back soon to, to communicate more of these ideas with other of our former guests such as say joe atwill and, and william ramsey and robert forte because these are the people pushing the, the limit and really bringing forth that gnosis that we need so we can understand who these people are what their intentions are and and the myths that they they believe in and they enact at our expense so, Alex, thank you so much for your time today. Everybody, go check out his website. Uh, check out his books. The uh, Baphomet book, he's not getting paid from that right now. Uh, the the guy, uh, Tracy's ex, has been going after people and getting them to take down her videos and blogs and just you know acting pretty screwy and weird. Uh, so it's a great book to check out. But if you want to support Alex directly, purchase The Sun Lady Unveiled or make a donation through his website. And, um, you know, please stay in touch with him and support him any way you can. And uh, I look forward to having you back, Alex. So thank you so much for everything today. This has been uh, pretty mind-opening and, and expanding and mind-blowing information, as always. And uh, I'm going to let you take oh, it out from so here. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, in regards to the uh, the Baphomet book, I mean, it is what it is. It's just it's a very unfortunate situation. But you know, a lot of people are suffering. It's very, it sucks, but you know, it's what it is again. But I mean, as far as like my website, um, uh, yeah, you can definitely go online to my website, theani.com. You can look at a ton of different articles and videos. I have a bunch of videos on my YouTube channel, uh, which I mean, I don't have the URL here, but you can, uh, you know, Cameron will definitely link, link there too. And then also, you can follow me on my Instagram. I mean, I do have a Facebook, but I don't really post on it. I hardly post on it. So, um, but I am very, fairly active on uh, Instagram, though. Um, so, duh, there you go. Very cool, man. Well, I look forward to reading The Sun Lady Unveiled, and I think you have two other books in the works, and uh, you're publishing independently, so no no corporate uh, backer has uh, hold sway over what you can reveal or not. And uh, Tracy, you know, you you guys are really pushing the limits here and uh, leading edge scholars of the occult. So I, I hope that those out there listening will support you so that you can expedite the release of the, those that and declassification of this new information that you've gathered. Well, thank you so much. This is going to do it for Gnosis today. Uh, everybody out there listening in, if you appreciate independent media and what we're doing here, please also go to sacredgeometryinternational.com. Uh, I'm working on a membership site. This is all listener supported, independently supported. I've taken on quite a bit of debt uh, and I'm still paying it off. Uh, but everything that I receive goes right back into keeping the lights on, making new content and opening minds and, and sharing ideas that you're not going to get pretty much anywhere else. And so every little bit helps, even if it's a dollar a month, you know, five bucks a month, you know, you want to buy me a, a copy. If you don't have the money, I completely understand, you know, they, they want to destroy us. They want to reduce us to peasant status again, these so-called elites, these scumbags. So if you're opposed to that, support those people who are doing the work to reveal who they really are so we can avoid 
that raft that they've, they're cooking up for us in so many different ways. So go to sacredgeometryinternational.com. Uh, if you become a subscriber now, a monthly subscriber, I will send you some, some good stuff. And uh, of course, you can always join my email list and uh, drop some comments, share the information online. Uh, just stay in touch. Let us know who you want to hear from, so on and so forth. In future iterations of the podcast, we're going to have a live chat function. So you'll be able to communicate directly uh, with these amazing authors and scholars and uh, other creators. So thank you so much, guys. Appreciate your time. Alex, thank you so much, brother. I look forward to the next round and I'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Take care. Take care.